من لساني يفقه قولي رب اوزعنا نشكر نعمتك التي انعمت علي وعلى والدي ونعمل صالحا ترضاه واصلح لي في ذريتي اني تبت اليك واني من المسلمين الحمد لله by Allah's grace and permission we have covered in a quick way the main thing that always come to my heart as troubling for people who are seeking the truth in our time and these things are tasawuf a new innovation in Islam or something imported from other faiths to show spirituality in Islam the Sufis and who are they people who truly believe in Allah and follow the teaching of Sayyidina Muhammad or people who have nothing to do with Islam and they do that which is against his teaching subhanahu wa ta'ala all the terminology that the Sufis use and it is authenticity and we covered a lot of these things today I'm going to talk about what does the Sufi path contains so for people who are seeking the path amongst you can understand because if you don't read the history of Islam properly you realize that in today's world there is only one group that is doing the right thing and they are the correct people and everybody else is wrong and they shout loudly whether you accept or not they are the people who are following the Quran and the Sunnah as if nobody else follow the Quran and the Sunnah so here I will say the way of the Sufis is a way of purifying oneself to be ready to return to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as he would love to receive him or her in that way. So in my own word, I will say, if somebody asks me in Arabic, I will say, in the tasawuf manhaj tarbawi nafs ala Indeed, the way of the Sufis is a way of nurturing oneself so that our egos are purified according to the truth, which is the Quran, the word of God, and the teaching of Sayyidina Muhammad so that we can remove anything that will become an obstacle so that we can reach the highest of the morals and behavior a human being should have. And this can only happen by removing two obstacles. When people talk about salah and zakah and hajj, okay, uh, and zakah and all those things and fasting, they never talk about those two things in details. Number one, following the footstep of shaitan. The Sufi's only enemy that they take very seriously is shaitan, that is external. For Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said in the Quran, indeed shaitan is an enemy manifesting himself for you when he created your father Adam. Hence, 
take him as an enemy. Inna shaytan akana lakum adu fattakhiduhu aduwa. So my enemy is shaytan. I have no animosity with any other creature except shaytan. But my greater enemy is my own self. Because the Quran speaks about ittiba' ma tahwa nafs following that which is your ego desires. Those who do evil, they do it out of desire. And therefore, the footstep of shaitans and fulfilling one's own desires, even if they contradict our humanity or the laws of the creation, this is the biggest enemy. Rasulullah said to the companion, The greatest of those whom you should fight against is your own self. When the killer kills, by himself. When the raper rapes, by himself. When the person who acts with jealousy and envy does that, become envious or jealous, it's from himself. When you steal, it's from yours. All these evil things, it's an inclination from the weakness of the nest. So here, for me, tasawwuf is a system working on only one thing, taskiya, nothing else. We are trying to purify our own self. And these are the two obstacles we work upon. Therefore, if the human, male or female, is able to conquer shaitan and his soldiers, his own ego that demands and commands evil from them and their helpers, you have removed all the obstacles. And there is only one condition left to know the reality and the truth of Ihsan. And Allah wants us to reach that. And therefore every Muslim must strive to become a Muhsin. As I said at the beginning, Allah loves the Muhsins and Allah is with the Muhsins. And we want to be among them, with them, so that Allah can give us that love if we deserve it. So the only condition left after fighting shaitan and your nafs is al-hidayah rabbaniya the guidance of the Lord because only Allah then can guide you there the messenger sallallahu wasallam his companions the tabi'een and the scholars after that are just ushering us to the right path like traffic wardens but the one who gives the guidance is Allah. Subhan. Nobody else can give you guidance. Allah said in the Quran, Whom Allah give guidance is indeed the one who is being guided. Only Allah guides to the straight path. Oh Muhammad, you will not guide those whom you love, but Allah guides whomever he wishes. And therefore, Sufism is built upon three pillars. Number one, Salamatu Mudrikin. Salamatu Mudrikin. Mudrik here is the vehicle that through which you can reach your goal. And the vehicle of the Sufi is the Quran and the Sunnah and acting upon them. No Sufi, the Sufi, if he does not know the Quran, trust in the Quran, act upon the Quran, and know the Sunnah, 
and literally knowing Muhammad Sallam inside out. Because they know Allah has commanded them in order for them to achieve his love, subhanahu wa ta'ala, they must follow Muhammad Sallallahu Allah. Tell them if you claim to love Allah, then you must follow Muhammad Sallam. Hence Allah will love you. This is very, very important. Number two, the pillar number two, removing the two obstacles, defeating shaitan and not following his footsteps and making sure that your nafs is conquered. You are able to restrain your egos. Now, fighting shaitan, by the way, is easier than fighting your nafs. Rasulullah did not command us to do the highest and the most difficult of worship to defeat shaitan, but to defeat our nafs. He says, Sumu Do fast, for it is indeed self-restraining for you. And he advised those who are young and full of eagerness to achieve for themselves. He says, fast. If you are not married, if you cannot get married, fast. And therefore, one of the most important elements for the Sufis, والسلام, welcome, welcome, is to fast. And fasting is very, very important. And number three is the Hidayah. Al Hidayah al Rabbaniya. So, you, a Sufi, have three pillars his vehicle, Quran and Sunnah, his fight, Shaitan and Nafs, and praising Allah and remembering Him in abundance, seeking His guidance. Come here, Sidi. Okay? Seeking His guidance. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guides whomever He wishes. If Allah wishes to guide you, then He will guide you. What does the Sufi syllabus of achieving this is? What do they do and study and learn to achieve this? Okay? Number one, Asair was suluk. Asair literally meaning continuously moving in the straight path. Was suluk acting upon whatever you have been commanded with that which is coming from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and His Messenger. Nothing else. You don't take from nobody else as a Sufi. <coughs> and this, in fact, mustalah, or term, this term, Asair was suluk, it is the journey of the servant to his Lord after entering into a covenant or an oath in what we call in, in the Sufi path, At-Tariqah. As I said, the Sayyid is striving on this path continuously, no stop. And therefore they say, As-Suluk bi-Ghayr Sayyid, Qu'ud. If you are taking the part of the Sufis, but you are not continuously striving, you are sitting doing nothing. And this will cut you from the mercy of Allah. 
However, But if you are continuously striving in this path, but without the conduct and the behavior, it might mislead you and it might lead you to that which is not good for you. You might go astray, but you might even fall into troubles. Okay, we start with a suluk. The ways of earning that which will put you in a position to be a servant of the Creator. Number one, a Sheikh al Murshid. You need a Sheikh who is able to direct you and guide you and take your hand to be able to do that which will benefit you here and hereafter. Once you find that Sheikh, Al Bay'ah wal Ahd. The covenant between you and Allah, not between you and the Sheikh. People misunderstand. Between you and Allah. That is a covenant which you must fulfill. Number three, Al-Wafa. The fulfillment of this bay'ah. So in order for you to achieve the position of being someone whom Allah will consider as a servant, conducting yourself according to the conduct of the Quran and the Sunnah, you need a sheikh who's able to direct you. You need to take a covenant with Allah through him or her. And you need to fulfill that covenant. On the other side, when you look at a sayr, the strive in the past, you need that sheikh to always be there to guide you, to advise you. And to lend you time so that he can hear your concerns. One of the most strangest things for me living in this part of the world, a lot of people, they consider bay'ah or being with a sariqa or a sheikh is like, subhanallah, it's a modern kind of thing. Just, just, I don't know what is it. Everybody just come in, take a bay'ah and you don't know even what the bay'ah is. You don't know even who this sheikh is. And then suddenly you ask them, well, I just gave bay'ah. Everybody who gave bay'ah, I gave bay'ah. If there are people outside there signing something, we just just you sign? I want to know what I'm signing. Some people come to me and say, Sheikh, I took a bay'ah, but to be honest with you, I didn't understand what I'm doing. How could you tell me that? Just like somebody going and buying a property or a car and saying, well, I didn't know what I signed. You didn't check everything? You shouldn't blame anybody. But blame yourself. Number two, in the strive to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you need what we call himma. And the himma for the murid, for the student, the one who wants to reach Allah, is the vehicle that takes him. You, my brothers, can come forward. There is, inshallah, here you can sit. So the himma is your vehicle. Here, sit There is a place here. Makes it easy for us. Or Bama move for us. Okay? Jazakumullah. So here I would like you to understand carefully. If you found that Sheikh, the Sheikh should not be there when you just gave the bay'ah, the Sheikh should be there in your journey. Because in order for you to achieve, okay, 
the position of being that servant of Allah, you need that sheikh to advise you, to direct you, to take your concern, to answer your problems, to remove your confusion. Because this is just like imagine a student who's doing his research PhD and goes to university, register his name, gets himself a professor. And then the professor said, well, I haven't got time for you. Will that happen? It would be very silly. Who will guide you into achieving what you want to achieve? Nobody. You need that person to be there for you. But even if you find the murshid to guide you in your path, but then you need from yourself that vehicle, which is the meaning of wanting what you have strived for. If you don't want it, then what's the benefit? So for me, more important is to have the zeal within yourself I'm really going to strive to achieve it. I always tell a student as a teacher, if you want to achieve the A star, then you will work extra hard. But if you just want to pass, you can just carry on as everybody else does. But you can achieve that star if you want it or distinction. <coughs> Number three, my brother, you can come forward, inshallah. Al-Wird. Okay, Al-Wird, alaykum And the word. Subhanallah is the fuel. The word literally meaning that which you do according to the teaching of Rasulullah of remembering Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by reciting the Quran or the adhkar, the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the word is the spiritual food. And some people don't understand. For our physical body, we are taught a lot. You need to feed yourself. You need to eat the right food that can nourish you. We have got a lot of people working in this field telling us and we calories and fat and blah, all this. And we go and read and buy because we are frightened to get a heart attack and die. We are frightened to be too fat. We are frightened to have blood pressure, to have diabetes. All these things. And this is only, you are going to die, you are going to die. Of course you have to look after yourself. But we take too much time in doing that. Plus, we rest our bodies, clean our bodies, we, do, we groom our bodies. But then when it comes to the spirit, your Kentucky Fried Chicken is not going to feed your spirit. Your, even your steak is not going to feed it. Your spirit needs dhikr. A dhikru qut al-qulub. Therefore, dhikr is the food of the heart. And number four, الغاية أو المقصد. الغاية أو المقصد. The aim. Okay. Or the objective of all this. You have a murshid or a sheikh or a guide. You have the zeal to carry out and do the work that is required. You have the word or the zikr that you do every day. And you know that you have to fulfill something. What is this you are fulfilling? Hence, the ghaya or the objective is so important. If your objective is to be seen, to be a Sufi because of the way you dress, if your objective is to achieve power and to Allah give you some miracles, whatever it is, if it is to be in a position of being a sheikh, Forget about it. For the Sufi, the real Sufi, your aim is Allah. 
my sheikh used to tell me, every time they push you forward, even if you know you are able to stand in front, retreat. Retreat. Because your nafs is going to destroy you. In the nafs al-ammaratun, so indeed one's nafs will lead him or her to do evil. Okay? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, in regard of a sheikh al-murshid, we talk about him first. Where do we get this from? From the Quran. In Surah Al-Furqan, Allah says, Ar-Rahman fas'al bihi khabira. The one who sustains you, the one who nourishes you, the one who provides for you, if you want to know more about him, then ask someone with experience. Not somebody just who knows him, somebody is experienced. The prophets were experienced. They have the knowledge and they lived the life to be close to Allah. The companions of prophets, they're in the same position. The companion of the companions, they're in the same positions. And their companions in the same position. So as long as you accompany those who have the experience, hopefully you will get the experience. Even today as well, when you are looking for a job, in many cases when they advertise the job, they say they want this kind of qualification and how many years experience you have. In some places, they want five, ten years experience or more. Because they want someone who knows what to do. In Surah Al-Kahf, Allah says, when Khidr and Musa met, Musa said to Khidr, قَالَ لَهُ Musa. Musa said to Khidr, هَلْ أَتَّبِعُكَ? Should I follow you and become your student? عَلَىٰ أَن تُعَلِّمْنِ مِمَّا عُلِّمْتَ رُشْتَ So that you will teach, from, teach me from your knowledge that Allah has given to you. So that I will be guided. As if to tell us, don't you ever think you can do it yourself. If it is true that you don't need somebody, like today I hear a lot of the younger generation in the internet arguing and saying, we don't need a sheikh, Allahu Akbar. You don't need a teacher in the school, you don't need a teacher in, even in the nursery. But in every scope of learning dunya knowledge, we need a teacher. Nobody can learn by himself. You need somebody to guide you and teach you. Even if you are the most taqi, the most fearful of Allah, Allah teaches you, not yourself. And do fear Allah, and only Allah can teach you. In Surah Al-An'am, Allah said, Indeed, those are the ones whom Allah has guided, through their guidance, take lead. Or follow. Allah is pointing to us. These ones are the ones whom Allah has guided. I will not follow anybody who is following his own self. Allah is my witness. I grew up in a house whereby everybody is learned. Everybody is a scholar. Most of the people, the elders. And when I used to go to Zikr, Masjid, circles of knowledge, I was in normal schooling. Everybody wants to recruit you. But I always question myself. Is the word of the one who is going to recruit me going to save me from the hellfire? Or what else? I need to find that. So when people used to come to me, join this, join our party, join our... I know. No way. I'm not. 
My soul is more dearer to me than anything else. I'm not selling it. What can you do to save me? Nobody can save me but Allah. Through Rasulullah So I needed, I was doing my basics. Following the Quran and the Sunnah through the teachers who are teaching me Quran and teaching me Sunnah within the masjid. How to pray, how to fast. That's it. Doing the basic things. But I'm looking for a guide to guide me spiritually and I'm always looking. Never listening to anybody. Today, it's becoming like a joke. Everybody is just recruited like a party. Conservative, liberal, democrats, communists, socialists. And everybody is joining. And you're not getting. They're not satisfied. Do you think everybody who votes for a party is satisfied with the party? No. And people say, I did everything they gave to me. I didn't get anywhere. Of course you're not going to get anywhere. Because you're not following in the right way. You need to find those whom Allah has guided. The Messenger says, The most important among you and the best of you is the one who learns knowledge and teaches knowledge. He said also, People are either learners or teachers and there is no benefit in the rest. So as a human being who is a Muslim, my job is to learn and if I am able to teach, I should teach. But among those who have learned and they can teach, the best of them are those who learn the Quran and teach the Quran. Why? Because there is nobody who will be the best except the one who benefits mankind. You could be the highest scholar in Islam. You could be spending all night praying. Every day you are fasting. You are doing everything. But if you have no benefit for mankind, you're useless. Al-Khayriya, being the best, is in benefiting people. I'm asking you today, what does Boko Haram benefiting the people of West Africa? What benefit? What did they bring to them? Did they teach their children Islam? Did they bring them a height of knowledge and brought scholars out of them? Are they building their even normal mundane life of living? What Shabab are doing in East Africa? What ISIS or Daesh or Qaeda? All this nonsense. Nothing to do. And by the way, the only enemy who's been there fighting the Sufis from their initial stage since Imam al-Ghushayri is the Khawarij. And therefore, these groups are Khawarij. Because if you notice, their only way is to go to cities whereby men who built Islamic Quranic school and they are buried in Masajid, they dig their graves. Even the Mushriks don't do that. Even the Kuffar don't do that. To show you how evil they are and how ignorant they are. Here in Britain, considered to be an advanced country, when any leader comes to visit to show honor to this country, they take him to the grave of the unknown soldier. The unknown soldier. What about the known soldier? Wouldn't it be grateful to travel to Medina and visit the grave of the one who brought us the deen? Wouldn't it be magnificent when you are in Medina, you go to the graves of the people who fought in Uhud and died like Hamza? Wouldn't it be magnificent to go to Istanbul and visit men who did great job in establishing the deen? Like Abu Ayyub al-Ansari and the rest of the companion who are buried there. And so on, I can go on. But these brothers, no. Allah is my witness. If they have their way, they will destroy the deen.
Imam al-Ghushayri, for them. And many were dying. Many died. People don't know the history. But when you read, he is one of the Sufis. He couldn't stand them. He fought them. And it was terrible time. It was a fitna time. However, my brothers and sisters, and Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, our Prophet, who al murshid, he is the teacher. Ultimately, if you have no teacher, remember, he is your teacher. And he has left you two things. Quran and his way of living life, his sunnah. And he has left the scholars, his inheritors. They inherited the knowledge from him. Rasulullah did not leave dirhims or dinars. He did not leave dollars and euros to be inherited or land to be divided. His inheritance is knowledge. And the greatest of the scholars ever to live were those who lived around him, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Why? Because the inheritance of the Prophet is knowledge. And knowledge is of two kinds. Ilm al-usul wa ilm al-usul. The knowledge that you take and put in practice so that you can perfect yourself to return to Allah as pure as he created you. And the knowledge that leads you directly to him. Understand? So when we talk about ilm al-usul, we talk about sharia. We talk about aqidah. We, we take it back all from the Quran and from the Sunnah. If you don't have that, you have nothing. When you hear some people today say, I'm a Sufi, but my, I'm not a Muslim. What's Allah? How could you be a Sufi? You're not a Sufi. You're somebody else, but you're not one of us. Okay? And therefore, the religion of Islam has got three components. Aqidah, faith, believing in the oneness of Allah. And when we talk about Aqidah, by the way, it is the shortest chapter in the knowledge of Islam. But it's the most fundamental. Don't take it lightly. Aqidah. Many people don't even know the ulama who wrote about Aqidah. When they hear it, they hear it from people among the scholars who come to the West. It's a modern thing. They talk about Al-Ashairah. Okay, and they talk about Al-Aqidah Al-Tahawiyah. And people think, what? what is this? These are books written about the oneness of Allah. How can you believe in Allah and you don't know who Allah is? This is my question. How can you? So you need to learn who Allah is. What he made lawful for you, what he has forbidden for you, what is jaiz for him and what is not. You cannot claim things to be of an attribute of Allah which he did not choose for himself. Unless he chooses it, then you are in error if you put it according to your own understanding. Sharia is a law to govern your life. From the day you are born to the day you go to your grave. Through Sharia you are buried. Through Sharia you are married. Through Sharia you do your business. Through Sharia you do your talaq. Through Sharia, whatever. How to live your life. But the third component which is missing is haqiqah. The reality of this deen. What is this deen for? I have aqidah in Allah. I believe in him. I know who he is. And I follow all the rules. What for? What this haqiqah the Sufis talk about is to approach Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and to be close to him with that pure heart he will accept from you. Without that, 
There is no place. You have no way of getting there. Let us take first of all, Aqidah. Aqidah, as I said, is from the usul, fundamentals of the deen, and it has scholars. Al-Imam Al-Ash'ari, Al-Imam Al-Maturidi, Abu Abdullah Al-Harawi, Al-Ansari, Abu Ali Al-Jibba'i, Al-Jibba'i. This is one of the greatest men. I love him very much. And I always make dua. If you listen to my dua, I always read for Al-Jibba'i, Sheikh Al-Jibba'i, Rahmatullah Ali, Al-Jibba'i, and others like Al-Tahawi, and many others. When you look at Sharia, it is also from the fundamentals, it has Fuqaha, Al-Imam Zainul Abidin, Al-Mashab Al-Zaydi. Many of you maybe never heard about it. This is in Fiqh. Ja'far Al-Sadiq, Al-Mashab Al-Ja'fari, Abu Hanifa, Al-Mashab Al-Hanafi, Imam Malik, Al-Mashab Al-Maliki, Imam Al-Shafi'i, Al-Mashab Al-Shafi'i, Imam Ahmad Ibn Hanbal, Al-Mashab Al-Hanbali, Imam Dawood Al-Zahiri, Al-Mashab Al-Zahiri, Imam Al-Kharidi Abdullah Ibn Abad, Al-Mashab Al-Ibadi. This, by the way, eight madahib is still running today. There used to be many before. As I said before, even Sufyan al-Sawri has his own, uh, Hassan al-Bisri has his own, but they were too tough, people couldn't carry them on. Abu Hanifa, mashallah, got the majority. Allah has given him a blessing. The majority of the people at any time since the Madahib started, Abu Hanifa has the majority in Asia. Okay, and he have got a lot with us. North Africa is mainly Malikis. Some of them in Hijaz and Yemen. And you find Hanbalis and mainly in the Arabian Peninsula. Maybe in other parts of the world there are few Hanbalis. Shafi'is are mainly in Indonesia, Malaysia and Egypt and South Africa. There are Shafi'is. Okay. But it is around. It is schools that govern the way you rule yourself by the law of Islam. In your worship and interaction with other people. That is to do with that knowledge. When we come to Aqidah and Sharia, these are fundamental for everybody to learn about them, to understand them, to follow them properly. But all those scholars in Aqidah and Sharia, they explained that the main aim of a Muslim is not just to believe and practice, but to hope and pray to reach Allah with a pure heart. And in the Quran, Allah has taught us that the most important fundamental job of the Prophet is to recite for us the Quran, and he did. How to read it, how to recite it with tajweed, to memorize it if we are able, to understand it through tafsir, and to put it in practice. <coughs> Very, very important. Number two, straight away, taskiyah. Purification of one heart by doing extra optional act in prayer, in fasting, and in doing good. Number three, ta'limul kitab. Teaching the book. All the rulings of sharia and all the knowledge of understanding the Qur'an. Number four, Ilmul Hikmah. And it is the Sunnah of Rasulullah through Ilmul Hadith from those people who collected it. If we agree 
for a moment that the sheikh is important when you are studying fiqh. The sheikh is important when you are studying hadith or hikmah. And therefore, it is strange that you do not need the sheikh to teach you how to perfect yourself. Really strange. Because today, all the scholars, if you read the books, they say, so and so, sheikh al-hadith. So and so, sheikh al-fiqh. What about Tazkir? Who is to do this part of purification? Who is teaching this? Only the Sufis, nobody else. They took that upon their shoulders. They will teach Tazkiyat al-Nufus, purifications <coughs> of one's own egos so that their hearts are pure, insha'Allah, before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Number two, if you are following, okay, the path of Rasulullah Sallam in striving to reach Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, okay, after finding the murshid, number two, al-bay'a wal-ahd, taking the bay'a wal-ahd. What is it? What is bay'a? Bay'a is an oath of allegiance given by Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam to those among his companions who took shihada from him to promise him that whatever he is going to give to them that will enter into their heart, they will guard it with all their life and work upon it day and night to preserve themselves from entering the hellfire. That is it, nothing else. Allah said in the Quran to Sayyidina Muhammad inna, inna hiya lit-ta'keed, for confirmation. Inna yubay'unaka, indeed, O Muhammad Sallam, those who give an oath of allegiance to you. Inna ma Allah, they are only making an oath of allegiance to Allah Himself subhanahu wa ta'ala. Why? Yadullahi aidihim. When they put their hand on your hand, the hand of Allah is above their hand. They are making bay'ah to Allah. Yadullahi aidihim. But then what Allah says, Faman nakatha. Faman nakatha. The one who goes again is this oath, this covenant. Indeed, he is only going against himself. You are not going to reduce anything from Allah's okay, kingdom. You are not going to add anything, but you are going to harm yourself. However, the one who fulfilled the promise to Allah by giving this oath, Allah will give them a great reward. But between the sheikh and the student, Okay, it is a covenant so that the student will not waste his time nor the sheikh time so that he can follow the instruction that will allow him to achieve the best of conduct and behavior to become a true servant of God. That's the whole thing. When I was looking, I was looking for someone to help me to become a servant, to become a true slave. Not to nobody, but to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What do I need to do to be guided to him subhanahu wa ta'ala? Who can take my hand to him subhanahu wa ta'ala? I know in the teaching of the Quran and the Sunnah, many people say, you can just do it yourself. No, you cannot do it yourself. Even in the dunya, do it yourself. People harm themselves. You get a sore and you are cutting, you cut your finger. You might fall from a ladder because you didn't know how to put it properly. You might try to build something, but... You waste your money and energy and time. No, why should I do that? But if somebody, Allah said, Ar-Rahman, Allah 
the beneficiary. When you want to get to him, ask somebody with experience, I want somebody to take my hand and get me to him. Like the companion were guided by the Prophet and the companion guided the Tabi'een, and the Tabi'een guided us, I want one of those who have a link to Rasulullah to take me and guide me there. And therefore, this has been proven by the Quran and the Sunnah and the scholars agreed. The bay'ah is important in learning knowledge. Listen to the Prophet Sallallahu telling. He says, قَالَ رَسُولَهُ If you made a covenant to obey Allah, you must obey Him. But if you made a covenant that you are going to do something against his teaching, subhanahu wa ta'ala, don't. Very, very serious. You make a covenant to Allah, keep your covenant. And therefore, one of the greatest ways of getting your question answered by Allah, Allah mentioned in the Quran, is nadr. In Allah, you hibbu nudhur. The Messenger of said, Allah loves people who make a covenant with Him. Oh Allah, I am going to enter into this venture. If I succeed, I will do this or I will do that. But however, many of us, when we promise Allah to do something, once it is done, we forget about it. We neglect it. And that is very, very bad. And in the life of Rasulullah, there are many companions who used to do this. Some succeeded, some failed. So a covenant with Allah must be fulfilled and kept. Other Rasulullah taught us in this hadith. What are the most important elements of making an oath between you and a sheikh with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Number one, you are making the oath so that you will join a jama'ah, a group. So that you will work together to do good. Nothing else. When we give the bay'ah, we say, the poor people in the world and the students who are seeking knowledge with me in this school where I'm joining are my brothers and sisters. For me is what is for them and against me whatever is against them. Obedience unites us. And disobedience disperses us. So I am with my brothers and sisters in this path to join hands with one heart to help humanity. However, the only way to do this is by obedience to Allah. Anything against the teaching of Allah, I'm not with you. How can you be striving to Allah, united to do good, and then there is haram in the midst? There is disobedience to Allah. No, it can't work that way. It has to be all done with something from your heart. Number two, Obedience to fulfill whatever the covenant entails and whatever is required for you to carry out when you give that covenant. Example, I gave the bay'ah to the sheikh that I will be obedient to Allah. The first thing is my Islam. What does Islam require from me? To be clean. To be obedient to my parents, to respect my elders, and to care for my young, to care for my neighbor, to pray my five daily prayers, to fast my Ramadan if I am able, to pay my zakah if I have reached a threshold annually, and to go to Hajj 
once in my lifetime if I'm able to do so. It's a must. So once you give the covenant to a sheikh, there is no excuse after that. These elements of Islam is not done. This is the basic things. And to be truthful and honest goes without anything. Next, what should I do? Is to learn, to gain more knowledge. To learn about Allah and who He is. To learn about the angels and who they are. To learn about the books and what were they. To learn about the messengers and the prophets and who are they and what they brought. To learn about the Day of Judgment. To learn about destiny. To learn about the stages of Iman. What Rasulullah said, the lowest degree of Iman is to remove obstacle from the past so no one could be harmed. I want to know. It's a part of my faith. Not to pass by and I see something in the city. Well, the council uh, employed people to do it and I pay my council tax. So why should I lift it? But subhanAllah, until the cleaner come and pick it up, if it's a glass and a child running and hear them, or a banana skin and an old or a blind person sleep on it and break their legs. This is sad. My brothers and sisters, really it is serious. All this must be learned to gain that kind of position with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Welcome. Number three, Al-Iltizam biqiyam al-haq wal-khayr. If we can move a little bit. Al-Iltizam biqiyam. Fulfilling. I'm so sorry. It's, it's, yeah, okay. Al-Iltizam biqiyam. Holding tight to all that which will make us strong in the deen. Holding tight. One of the best and most important things that we need to understand of the character of a Muslim is to be truthful, is to be honest, is to be kind, is to be generous, is to share and care for those whom you know or you don't, to respect your elders specifically your parents and to be so good to everyone and everything if you don't have that in yourself as a Muslim it's not good but to give a covenant to Allah and not to fulfill this as somebody who's following the path of our greatest people the Sufis then you are not doing anything but then for the seeker and for the Murshid there are duties they must fulfill Al-Murshid, the teacher, the so-called sheikh, his duty that follows. Number one, he must know all the conditions of the oath that he is giving and all the conditions that makes it applicable to the person who is taking it and all the obstacles he might face or she might face and what are the results that can come out of that and what is his duty to do anything about it? I'm saying this because if your sheikh comes in a gathering and give you a bay'ah and give you a word to read and he is traveling, he's in India, he's in Pakistan, he is in, I don't know. Many people don't know. I said I give a bay'ah, I don't know who the sheikh is. The sheikh himself is wrong. I will not take a bay'ah from a sheikh like that. You must be sad. How can you sit down, put your hand and promise Allah Allahu Akbar, when you buy a car and you put your hard-earned money 
and the man says to you it is guaranteed for three years but after that you need to pay more if you want more insurance for your car you will pay because you don't want to lose your money and your soul you just give it to somebody whom you don't know where you are stuck what are you going to do wallahi al-azim I get many people who come to sit in front of I feel sad it makes me feel sad please don't let people fall into the trap of just following we're not sheep we're humans and we need to follow by understanding number two this sheikh or so-called sheikh he must be following all the adab of the sharia and all the laws of the sharia until he becomes the example i'm not gonna follow somebody who's not following the sharia I will walk away. I was once invited to go and visit a sheikh. The brother said to me, look, this great man, sheikh, you would really love him. Come on. And I went and we sat down. The first moment I sat, he said a very rude word. Very vulgar word. I moved straight away. Have you ever read the Quran and read one vulgar word in the Quran? No. Allah does never speak but the most beautiful words. Have you ever read the hadith of Prophet in which there are vulgar words? Even for the human organs there are where to be used Allah is my witness even in uh, in English since I started speaking English when I was a teacher I say to children sit on your back the children say no you don't sit in your back they say another way I said no, no I'm not saying that way because we are taught not to do that this tongue that reads the Quran this tongue that mentions the zikr of Allah this tongue that is supposed to be peeled just only for his remembrance why should you abuse people with it? Backbite people with it? Slander people with it? Lie with it? Cheat with it? And use vulgar rude words. When you read the seerah, one of the most important lines, مَا كَانَ رَسُولَ He was never an insulting, demeaning, vulgar or rude human and never cursed anybody in his life. This is my messenger. This is my teacher. And my teacher, I'm going to choose to put my hand to link me to him, to Allah, has to be that. Otherwise, he's not the sheikh you should have. Number three, al-irshad ma'al-ma'rifa. Not al-irshad ma'al-ilm, by the way. Guidance should guide you with total awareness of your condition, with knowledge that he has given. If he doesn't know you, wallahi, Allah is my witness. The real sheikh, when you take a bay'ah from, Sometime before you ask your question, he answers you. When I was in London, and I was very sad to be here, I wanted, because we are close to the Sheikh, is nicer. I went to Sudan once, I said to my Sheikh, it's like a prison, I, I need to come back. He said, what the problem? I said, too many people asking, they want to become Muslim, they have problems and this and that. And I, I have, I'm studying, I don't know what to do. He said, and I have questions, but I can't find you. He said, okay, have you got big spaces in London? I said, yes. He says, go to the largest space. I looked around, there is Hyde Park, but somebody told me the commons is bigger. So I used to go to the commons, south of the river, outside London. So when I, <laughs> when I used to go there, he said to me, just read this. I'm not telling you because it's not from the Prophet, from him. Read these things and loudly speak to me. And I used to do this and I come back home, do my thing, sleep, and he comes to me. Wallahi la ilaha. He told me. This, 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 this. And more shocking to me, when I go back next time to Sudan, because everything is normal, 
I'm sitting with him like this. He will say to me, by the way, that thing I told you this way, I, ha I, I wanted to tell you more this. He's not just telling me, he's also remembering what he said. That's the reality. This is, this is what, it shouldn't be just only we read about the companions and the tabi'een. It should happen regularly. Otherwise, what kind of sheikh is this? It's not a sheikh. Milkshake, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> Number four, Mus'ha al mustarshid ma'al amana. Always guiding the student, the seeker, who's seeking Allah's way with trust. I have people coming to me, saying to me, the sheikh I'm sitting in front of me, he always, after one thing, money, I give so much money to the sheikh. What's the <laughs> Corruption even in Mashiachah, in Sufism, in Islam, maybe in politics, but not in Islam. Some women come and say, the sheikh behavior with me is not really appropriate. Why are you there then? Why are you sitting in front of him? Move! Save yourself. He is supposed to guard you spiritually. If he cannot guard you physically, I will kill somebody who will attack my mother, my wife, my daughter, or any woman I am responsible for. If I walk in the street and see a woman being attacked, will you say, I'll pass by? But today's world, the people just pass by. You should stand to defend your sister. Because that's an honor. What about, subhanallah, her spirit? You, ga you guarded okay, yourself by giving him bay'ah, spiritual. And then you are frightened from him physically. It's not that. This is wrong. You need to move away. Number five, al-hazm. The shaykh is always lenient, kind, gentle. I see some mashaykh, they shout at their murid, they tell them off, come here, sit down here, do that, massage these feet, do this. Are you? What are you? <laughs> what kind? I don't know why those murid are sitting there. Did the Prophet do that, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam? Have you ever heard the Prophet do that? Wallah, the Prophet I love him so much because they say when he used to sit on his camel and his little stick falls from his hand or his whip for the camel, fall on the ground, the companion run to lift it, he will say no. He will jump and pick it himself. How can he be the truth when he said the best of you is the one who benefits others? This sheikh is not a sheikh. This may be a man who just have, so stingy don't want to pay for massage. He wants to worry to massage. <laughs> be careful. And then they should be strict as well. When it comes to important matters, they should be strict with you. When they see you, not openly, but privately, you should have that kind of time with them to talk to you and tell you what is right and what is wrong. And number six, مُصَارَحَةَ المُسْتَرْشِدْ عِنْدَ الْمُذَاكَرَةِ When they sit with you, they must be open. They can't just talk hypothetically. They must be honest, straightforward, tell you. Imagine you're sitting before your professor who's carrying your research for your PhD and he knows you're going wrong here and he's not telling you that. He's saying, well, I don't think this is right, but go and find out. Do they do that? Or do they guide you? They guide you. They tell you what is right, what is wrong, what you should change. But you go and do the work. But they can't just say it, not directly. That will not be the right thing. So these are the six things in regard of your sheikh. You are looking for a sheikh? This sheikh must be someone 
who understand the covenant and all the rules that governs it. He must be carrying out within himself all the laws of Sharia and become an exemplar for you. He must guide you with an awareness of your state and knowledge to help him to do that. He must always give you advice and a trust between you and him and Allah. He must be gentle and kind but strict where it matters. And he must always be open to discuss with you what will benefit you without hiding anything. I hear some of some so-called mashayikh when the murid come and say, yani, last night I saw this beautiful dream and uh, when I looked I saw a light and then this the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, you saw the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam? Get out! You can't see the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. What kind of <laughs> worship is this? I am telling you, this is somebody who's blind, who had never seen the Prophet in his life, and this is his murid beginning to open. We say, al murid al-sabaq shaykhu. This is the murid who has superseded his sheikh. The sheikh is jealous now. Get him out. <laughs> this is sad. It's not good. What about the duty of the seeker? I am a seeker. What is my duty? Sutghaniya. Be truthful in my intention. I only want this guy to guide me. To link me to the Prophet to lead me to Allah with a pure heart. I must have strong zeal within me that I am going to fulfill whatever I gave covenant for. Everything the tariqa I took that requires from me, I will carry out. What do they ask from you? Nothing. Only to fulfill your Islam by doing the pillars of Islam and to do the extras. Like reading more Quran, do more fasting, do more zikr. I want that. So I will do that, insha'Allah. Al-Muhafaz ala al-Awrad. Regularly read your word. The word is what you recite of the Quran and the zikr every day. You must keep it every day. Al-Adab. You must keep all the behavior that should show that you are a person of character. Number seven, ittiba' al-Shaykh, following the example of the Shaykh. Otherwise, there is no benefit. The Sheikh should be the example. You follow his footsteps. But imagine if the Sheikh swears. <laughs> you have to swear, Allah. <laughs> if the Sheikh says there in a shisha bar, shisha, 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 shisha. So all the Muri sitting there. <laughs> what is this? Astaghfirullah The Sheikh sitting there with his cigarette. <sighs> Allahu Akbar. Doesn't fit. It's not from the Adam. <coughs> so look at. The Sheikh should be the Sheikh. Should not be somebody whom you feel is not complete. And number eight, another ila mashiyakat al murshid al tasi, and you should look at the chain of the sheikh so that you can take their example. When you are marrying a woman or marrying a man, after you talk to them and you like what they are and you want to get married, the most important thing is to know their family. Because that branch is from that tree. If the branch is so good, but the tree is rotten. This branch is going to die one day. You can't cut a branch from a tree and throw it. That's going to survive. It's going to die. So they say the best person is from the best roots. So the best sheikh is from the best chain. When we talk about hadith sahih and da'if, the most important hadith is mutawatir. Okay? That is being reported by various scholars. Linking. There is no one who says in any way there is... A, a weakness in the chain of that hadith. Perfect. This is what I want. I want a chain that is strong to lead me to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Number three, after you found the shaykh, 
took the bay'ah, then al-wafa, the fulfillment of your bay'ah. Many murids properly find the sheikh, take the bay'ah, but they are very reluctant in fulfilling what they have given an oath to fulfill. As if this bay'ah is between them and the sheikh. Neglecting the words of what they have promised Allah. Allah says, When you put your hand with the sheikh, the hand of Allah is above the hand. And remember, if you go against this oath, you are going against yourself. So Allah warned us in the Quran in Surah Al-Isra by saying, and you must fulfill the covenant. Indeed, the covenant will be questioned in the day of judgment. Somebody, normal, Muslim, never heard about these kind of things, and never took a bay'ah, he's easy going. But I come, I knew about it, I took a bay'ah, but I didn't fulfill it. Am I going to be questioned or not? I'm going to be questioned. I'm going through a gate, Nothing to declare, Allah said, no, 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 come here. You have a lot to declare, stay here. <laughs> so, wait here. You're carrying a baggage. You promised me you're going to do this. You didn't do it. So any one of you sitting here, and you're lazy about fulfilling what you promised Allah, then please, tonight is the night to remember. Indeed, the covenant will be questioned. In Surah Al-Ra'd, the Surah itself make you shake. The Sunda, 19 to 21, Allah says, Indeed, only those men and women of understanding will remember. Who are they? The first description of them, those who fulfill the covenant they give to Allah. And they will never go against what they promised Allah. Never. Why should they? Because they believe and trust in Him. And those who fulfill what Allah has commanded them to fulfill, and they fear Allah when they are alone with Him. Fear comes in two words in Arabic. In public. It can be from anything. And khashya is when you are alone. Those who fear Allah when they are alone. Their door is locked and their curtains are closed. And they fear the harshness and the wickedness of the reckoning with Allah in the day of judgment. Number three in Surah Al-Fatih, verse number 10, this is the verse of the bay'ah. I recited it twice before, but I read it again. Indeed, those who give an oath of allegiance to you, O Muhammad, Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Innama yubay'oon Allah Only they are giving their covenant to Allah Yadullahi fawqa aydihim The hand of Allah is above their hands In the time when they were giving that oath of covenant فَمَنْ نَكَثَ فَإِنَّمَا يَنْكُثُ عَلَى نَفْسِهِ Whosoever go against that oath Go the goodness himself وَمَنْ أَوْفَ بِمَعَاهَدَ عَلَيْهُ اللَّهِ فَتَيُؤْتِهُ أَجْرًا عَظِيمًا Whosoever fulfill what he has promised Allah Allah will give them great reward this is the regard of this beautiful building of character. To build your character, you need to realize and understand the Sheikh is important, the covenant is important, but fulfilling the covenant is more important. 
Now we come to the striving in the past. The first is suluk, achieving that position of conduct and behavior. The second is the strive in the past. In Arabic we say, السير هو الطريقة التي يتحرك بها الإنسان للوصول إلى قاية مرجوة. السير is the movement. Striving to reach an aim. Here our aim as Sufis is to reach Allah and to be with Him at all times. The Sufis insist on this that they don't want anything but Allah. Because Allah said in the Quran, فَفِرُّوا إِلَى اللَّهِ And do tear and escape to Allah. وَإِلَىٰ رَبِّكَ فَرَغَبْ And to your Lord, you should always turn, wanting His closeness. وَإِنَّ إِلَىٰ رَبِّكَ الرُّجْعَ And indeed, your return will only be to Him, subhanahu wa ta'ala. Sayyidina Ibrahim alayhi salam, Allah described him as one who always turned to Allah. وَقَالَ إِنِّي ذَاهِبٌ إِلَىٰ رَبِّي سَيَهْدِينَ I'm turning to my Lord and He will indeed guide me. Here, in your past, after you took your bay'ah, while you are striving, the first most important component is that Shaykh you gave bay'ah to to become the exemplar for you. يجب أن يكون الشيخ قدوة في قوله وفعله He must be an exemplar for you in his action, his words. Not from his own initiative. Mutaassiyan bin Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam fi kulli ahwalihi. Taking from the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in all his conditions. I want my sheikh to be the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So the man who is leading me to him, he must be like him. Imagine you're going to meet a sheikh and they told you this is the most holiest man. He came from the furthest part of the land. And then somebody close to him have his ear and have the key to enter into his presence is coming to pick you. The first indication for you the Sheikh is great is to see his murid. But if the murid come outside, he's drunk, he's carrying a cigarette of hashish in his hand, swearing and insulting and doing all the wrong things, do you think he's leading you to the right place? No, I don't think so. So that Exemplar must have a reflection within his companionship. When we used to see Abu Bakr Sadiq, Umar ibn Khattab, Uthman ibn Affan, everybody knows these are his companions because they behaved like him sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Number two, Al-Himma. The murid in his strife to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he must have strength within himself to carry out whatever he has promised. Why? So that he can fulfill what he promised Allah. He wants to fulfill it to reach him subhanahu wa ta'ala. And number three, the word and everything that you have given an oath for. The word, by the way, could be recitation of the Quran, could be recitation of some adhkar or ahzab. The adhkar could be names of Allah, or from Rasulullah okay, Azkar, or it could be Qurubat, meaning doing voluntary action, good actions to help people with, inshallah, in your community. But the word is a means for achieving what you are striving for. 
The word is the mean for achieving what you have strived for. That word, whatever you have been given, nothing else but a means. The most important thing in the word is dhikr. All the Sufis make dhikr as the most important component. Allah said, Ya yuhal ladhina amanu, uthkurullaha dhikran kathira, wa sabbihuhu bukrata wa asila. O you who believe, remember Allah in abundance, and glorify him early morning and early evening. Allah says, الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَتَطْمَئِنُّ قُلُوبُهُمْ بِذِكْرِ اللَّهِ أَلَا بِذِكْرِ اللَّهِ تَطْمَئِنُّ الْقُلُوبُ Those who believe, their heart will achieve tranquility by the remembrance of Allah. Indeed, only through the remembrance of Allah, hearts can achieve okay, that tranquility. In the hadith, Abi Musa al-Aj'ari radiallahu ta'ala anhu says that the messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, مَثَلُ الَّذِي يَذْكُرْ رَبَّهُ وَالَّذِي لَا يَذْكُرْ رَبَّهُ the example of the one who remember Allah and the one who does not remember Allah is like the living and the dead. So anybody who remembers Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is alive. Anyone who is not remembering Allah is dead. Everyone is alive. We are all alive here. But those who are really spiritually living are those who are connected to Allah. Dhikr could be done individually and dhikr could be done in congregation. One of the most contentious issues for those who fight the Sufis, they say you are doing things the Prophet didn't do. You are remembering Allah in congregation. This is a lie. The Prophet remembered Allah in congregations. He did. And therefore, whenever the Prophet sat with the companions and they remembered loudly, he remembered with them. And there are a hadith to prove this. In Sahih Muslim, Rasulullah once came out of his room because the companions were sitting, chanting together, remembrance of Allah. Led by Ma'awiyah ibn Abi Sufyan. When he saw them, they stopped because they never do anything without his lead. If they are doing it alone, alhamdulillah, but once he comes, they leave him to lead. So he asked them, what were you doing? So they kept quiet. said, I'm not asking you to tell you off. But by Allah Almighty God, I'm just coming to give you the good news. Whatever you were doing, Allah is pleased with. Jibreel has come to me to inform me that Allah is showing you off to the malaika. Those who said, why are you creating them when they are going to spill blood and create havoc on the earth? Allah knows that some of you will be doing what you are doing. Remembering Allah in congregation. Okay? And then there is the hadith Qudsi from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reported by the Prophet to us that Allah says, Ana I'm according to the way my servant think of me. I am with him when he remembers me. If he remembers me within himself, quietly or loudly, but just by himself, I will remember him within myself. But if he remembers me in a congregation, I will remember him in a better congregation than them. If he come closer to me, a hand span, I will come to him an arm leg, an arm length. And if he came to me an arm length, I will come to him a distance greater than that. And if he came walking to me, I will come rushing towards him. Literally meaning, the more you do, 
optionally, the more you please Allah. Some people somehow, they say, Allah gave us fara'id. Allah had made something compulsory for us. Praying five times a day, two for Fajr, two for, four for Dhuhr, three or four for Asr, three for Maghrib, and four for Isha. The Prophet added two for Sunnah al-Fajr, three for Witr. That is sufficient. We should not add more. Wallahi, I have seen people, when you even pray extra, they say, where do you get this from? Why are you doing these extras? You are making it difficult for yourself. In Salah. And when they see you making, subhanallah, extra nawafil, extra optional act, they are not pleased. They question these extra nawafil. Although Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commanded the Prophet to do the extras. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said to the Prophet وَمِنَ اللَّيْلِ فَسَبِّحُوا لَيْلًا طَوِيلًا Of the night, spend most of it glorifying me. Oh, you who wrapped with the garment, يَا أَيُّهَا الْمُزَّمِّلِ قُمِ اللَّيْلَ إِلَّا قَلِيلًا Spend the night only little. Live for your sleep. And Allah commanded him to do this. Not for us as a commandment, but for him. وَمِنَ اللَّيْلِ فَتَهَجَّدْ بِهِ نَافِلَةً لَكَ And from the night, O Muhammad Sallam, you should spend a part of the time to pray extra optional prayer. Why? Perhaps Allah will raise you to Maqam Mahmud, to a station that is praised by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, this is for the Prophet But what did the companions do? Isn't he the example? Isn't he the murshid? Isn't he the sheikh? Isn't he the teacher? Yes, he is. He says, I was only sent as a teacher, and for this reason, everything he said or he did, they followed suit. So here, I will say to you, one of the most fundamental things in the tariqah is dhikr, individually and congregationally. When we do it individually, they are upset with us. But when we do it congregationally, they are more upset with us. I'm happy. And by Allah Almighty God, the best ahadith you read is about dhikr. And most of them, in fact, maybe all of them are sahih. Otherwise, they will be slaughtering us, saying, all this, you made it up. They shouldn't be there. And what bothers them, and I don't know why, this. Why is it bothering them? It is reminding me. If they are carrying this more than gadgets, it doesn't bother them. I could be doing liquor with this. Somebody said to me once, an electronic engineer, I make you an electronic sibha. And he made me one, but it was like a box. <laughs> now, now they have it in the finger. I had it big, big, like a box, big thing. I said, no good. But it was good, I used to use it at home, but, but this, is, this is beautiful, you see? And we, it is just a counter. But you don't need to count, just keep remembering. I say to them, keep accumulating wealth, but don't count it. But money, they count. Wealth, they count. And they wait. And they cry over it when it is lost. And they strive to have multiples of it. But Allah didn't say the dunya we should count. He said, for the akhirah we should count. The, the declaration in the Quran of dhikr is the highest. Allah declares it in many, many verses. That there is nothing that can save you in the day of judgment but dhikr. Only by the remembrance of Allah, hearts can achieve tranquility. Nothing else. Okay? And therefore, what is the aim of the awrad? What you are doing? The dhikr you are doing? The recitation of the Quran? Two things. التخلي عن الرذائل 
leaving all that which is forbidden and disliked by Allah and his messenger, all that which will put you down, and carrying out the best of the qualities. A murid of Allah, a murid literally meaning the one who wants Allah, above anything else, he's an honest person. Never cheats. Why? Because he knows. The Prophet said, Man Whoever cheats is not one of us. How could you be a murid and wanting Allah and you are cheating people? Never lies. Why? Because it's a sign of a hypocrite. How can you be a hypocrite wanting Allah? Doesn't make sense. And always shows mercy. Why? Because the Prophet has been instructed to be lenient and gentle and kind and show mercy. He was sent as the Messiah. If you are tough and harsh, O Muhammad Sallam, they will spread away from your majlis. Number four, Al-Ghaya. The aim of the murid in his journey to Allah. It is one of the most important elements of traveling in this journey to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The Sufis have only one thing in their heart. To reach Allah with a pure heart, with a complete heart, with a heart that only wanting him subhanahu wa ta'ala. Realizing in a hadith Qudsi, Allah says, The heart of the servant is the throne of the beneficent. Imagine, your heart, your spiritual heart, Allah could be conquering it. And he is there for you. Don't think about it physically. But this is in a spiritual sense. And therefore Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said in the Quran, in Surah Al-Shu'ara, none will be saved in the day of judgment, illa man salim. Only the one who will come with a pure heart. The Sufis work hard, as I said at the beginning, to purify the nafs so that your heart can be complete. In Surah Qaf, Allah says, man rahmana bil the servant, the true servant of Allah, the really striving servant who wants to be close to Allah, the one who fears Allah when he is alone with him and comes to Allah with a heart that yearns to be with him. Some people say to me, I'm working so hard. I'm reading a lot and I'm doing a lot of zikr, but I see nothing. Allahu Akbar. You don't know the journey. If you don't have the map, you get lost. If you don't find somebody to guide you to the direction, you even get more lost. You need to understand. You can't just travel in this journey wanting to reach the heights. Come in. To reach the heights. And then... Welcome. Come in. Alaykum salam And you are not going to achieve anything. Here, I want to come to very important terminology of the Sufis. Okay? Very important. Number one, the Sufis pass, one path is called Tariqa, and the plural is Turuq. Tariqa. And I mentioned to you in the first section we did, it's from the Quran. If only they strive and stay steadfast in the path, the Tariqa, we will water them in abundance, literally meaning spiritual watering. And I gave you the evidence from the hadith as well. 
Rasulullah Sallam says in the hadith as well, the one who will follow my tariqah, the one who will follow my path. Okay? And therefore, literally the tariqah is the tariqah of Muhammad Sallam, the tariqah al-Muhammadiyya. This is the original tariqah, tariqah Muhammad. We are all following Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Rasuluhu wa Nabiyuhu. Al-Shaykh, the Shaykh, the Shaykh, as I mentioned to you earlier on, is the one who has taken the bay'ah from a sheikh. Who has taken it from a sheikh to a sheikh to a sheikh, leading it to Rasulullah Who received it from Jibreel, who received it from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So before you give the bay'ah, you need to know this sheikh sanad. I read these very seriously, and you go through them, and you understand it properly, and then you, because these people whom you should look up to, should be somebody. You don't just go to any university. You look at universities. You look at their outcome. You look at their graduates and where they are, and then you join them. You don't just pick any university and go to. Yeah. Why Oxford is Oxford or Cambridge is Cambridge? There is a reason. So the same thing in the tariq. This is what we talk about. Who are the mashayikh of the tariq? How does a person become a sheikh? I remember. I went to London University to apply to do my PhD. And the head of religious in source. And I was reluctant. I really didn't want to do. I never did the PhD and I didn't want to because I haven't got time. And everyone was saying, please do your PhD. So I said, okay, okay. I pushed myself. There was a lecturer from London University who used to examine people who take PhDs. And his name was Qulam Nabi Thaqib. He used to be in the International University of Malaysia, after he left here. And then he came to work with me for a while. And he said to me, go. So I rang the university. They told me there is a good professor who understands the history of Islam in East Africa. Good, then I can choose a subject from there to study. What is his name? Dr. Brenner. I don't know whether he is there or not. It's a long time ago. Maybe he retired by now. In the 90s, 95, I think. So I rang the university, they said to me, no, he's not here. He traveled to East Africa and he spent six months there. So I said, but I need to know now, because if I want to start, I want to start in September. So they put me to this guy who told me he's the head of the department. His name is Dr. Smith, Mr. Smith. Okay. He said, I haven't got time. And I cannot. I said, just see me for 20 minutes. Subhanallah, after a lot of negotiation, he agreed. He said, come this Thursday, it's what about Tuesday? Come Thursday, I have a meeting at 9 o'clock. I'm willing to see you at quarter to 9, but by 9 o'clock you must leave. I'll give you the time. I made sure I was there about 20 to 9. And I could see him through the glass, walking up and down. Reluctant to see me. Then he called the secretary, the secretary go in, I went inside. He sat in his chair, what can I do for you? I said to him, I just want to inquire about doing a research. He took a paper, what's your name? He wrote my name. Where did you study? I said to him, I studied Islam in a mashikha led by a man called Sheikh Al-Fatih. He said to me, Al-Fatih, Qaribullah. I said, yes, from Durman. I said, yes, I said, why didn't you say so? He took his jacket, hung it, he rang, I said, I canceled my meeting. He sat with me for one hour and a half. I didn't know why he was doing that. And then he was start questioning me. These people are very interested in knowing the reality of knowledge within every area. So he wanted to know from me. He said to me, are you a sheikh? 
I said to him, they saw so. How did he become a sheikh? I said to him, why? He said, I would like you and I will pay for you in the university to come and do a research. How can a normal mundane Muslim become a murid, then become an aqib, then become a muqaddam, then become a sheikh? I will lead you myself. I said, no. He was really, he couldn't fight me. He was very angry. As a Sufi, you are not supposed to hide the knowledge. I said to him, what? <laughs> you are not a Sufi. He said, but I will trust in the source. I said, I don't want to do that. He went to the library, picked a book. I have it at home. Take this. Read it and I will take it. I said, no, no, no. Okay then, we'll compromise. Why don't you do Islam in London in the last 30 years? We'll do that together. I said, no. He said, then don't tell me you want to do a research about Sheikh Ahmad Taib ibn Bashir from Sudan because everybody is doing it. And there are five people now doing it in Manchester, many universities. That's true. There's a great Sheikh in Sudan. Everybody write about him or respect of his life. I took that book from him and I never returned. Why I'm telling you this? Because one thing he said to me made me think Allah is making those people who are not Muslim among even the Orientalists to study deep what we have because they know in it there is the truth. Wallahi al-Azim. And why I said no? Because there are things that cannot write. There are things that can't write because they are not direct from Prophet Sallam. It came to me through a man. For me, not for anybody else. Whatever the Prophet said is for every Muslim. Whatever I have in my dream or my opening, I can see something inspired, is for myself, not for anybody. That's why I refuse, not because of another reason. But a normal person learning and studying, if he is truly genuine in getting closer to Allah, knowing that Islam is the beginning, and to increase your position in Iman is only through strife. And to achieve success is only through Ihsan. Everyone should want to be a Muhsin. And this is what the Sufis want. So for this reason, you should know. A lame man or woman wanting to become a Murid, as I said earlier on, you must have that intention and that zeal and strength to carry whatever you promise Allah to do through the right Murshid or Sheikh. When you join with the Murids and you follow the Tariqah and you do the Awrad, according to your strife, the Sheikh who is there in the school will see who is doing what and then they choose themselves. Which student can be developed to help others, to support him? And they become what we call Nuqaba. They're usually young people. They pick them, they support and they help the different groups. And this Nuqaba after a while, when they really strive and reach a position whereby they are doing something that is pleasing to Allah, these mashayikh are inspired to pick them and give them what we call muqaddamiyah. Muqaddam meaning someone who can take a place of the sheikh when the sheikh is not there. Today, I noticed in London, in some mashayikhs, there are too many muqaddamiyah. Some of them, they made them their own self-muqaddams. Wallahi al-Hasim, when Sheikh Allah is my witness, Rahmatullah died, he said to me, Sheikh, I really don't know what's happening. I travel and I come back and I find new muqaddamins in my tariqah. I've never put them there and it's causing fitna for me. 
Decla Imagine you join the police and tomorrow you become straight away a sergeant. <laughs> Does it make sense? And they begin to do things that they should not do, like leading the zikr and telling people what to do and having... No, 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 no. Suhba, no, no, no. Not for everybody. Because unless you know what you are doing, you might mislead, as I told you earlier. These muqaddameen, they could be many. Then the sheikh, through the mashaykh, not himself, through the mashaykh in the chain, they pick some of them to become sheikh. That picking is not by themselves. I learned this when suddenly I was called one day by the sheikh and said to me, look, uh, this Friday coming, Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen, we found that you have been picked to be given mashikha. I said to myself, what for? What responsibility? I don't want that. To do what with it? I just want to strike. I said to the sheikh, no, it's not for me. He said, no, no, no. I'm not going to do it. Nothing to do with me. But the mashikha had agreed and the grand sheikh is coming and I'm not even being in the country. At normal, I came for the dhikr on Jum'ah and then they brought me out with another man who was a very pious man in Sudan. I know him very, a friend of mine. And they said, these two people are going to be. The next day after I, they gave me all these things. I went, I said to my nephew, get up, let's go. <laughs> I went to the house of this grand sheikh. And he was lying on a bed, straw bed. No mattress, no pillows. He's almost 90 years old. The moment we came, he sat up. Says salam to us, and then declined again. He's beating his head. Too old. When you look at him, you could see he's an old man. Very tall, about seven foot tall. Very skinny. Allah, irhamu, inshallah. What is it? I said to him, Sheikh, what happened yesterday? I never expected in my life, and I really don't want. I haven't got time for that, and I don't want it. I have all my papers. My nephew is sitting next to me. I'm retiring those papers back. I can't carry this responsibility. He just sat up and shouted at me. Told me, do you think I am going to sit here accept what you are saying? Do you think I chose to do this? Do you think I am me who is doing this to you or choosing? And he gave me a long lecture. He said, too many things. Nobody in my life shouted at me like that. And told me off. I'm a man, I'm a father. I'm saying to myself, what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then I think he brought his lineage aside and he laughed and said to me, look, listen. This is what's given to you. You keep it. The way you take it is up to you. I'm only a messenger. And then he called a man. He came running, barefooted, dressed in a, a very simple jubba with a little cap, came walking like this, almost 70 years old or more, this old man of over 60. He said, get them breakfast. We, have it. we didn't have breakfast at home. We left early. And subhanAllah, they brought us the breakfast. And what the, I always worry when I'm outside home. I don't eat everything. What they brought and put in front of me, exactly what I like. He said to me, do you like what you see? I said to me, then eat. Now, these people are very special people because they are honest and they are truthful. They tell you that which will benefit you, not anything else, because they want at the end of the day to benefit you. He could have just said to me, oh, it doesn't matter, you just take it. But he knows there are things that can happen. He knows that at the end of the day, there is a reality that must be fulfilled. The tariqah is not a joke. The tariqah is a path that you must discipline yourself in 
following the teaching of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, once these mashayikh are there, what is their job? Their job is to learn, number one, and to teach, nothing else, and to guide. The mashayikh are many. You could be given the mashayikha in teaching a part of the knowledge. You could be given the mashayikha in wisdom, hikmah. You will understand all the nitty-gritty. Okay? You might be given the mashayikha of leading people. So, maybe a sheikh, a sheikh of knowledge, but he's not giving bayan. He doesn't. Or, you might be given a mashayikha so that you can understand and appreciate wisdom. People with emotional, psychological, physical problems, they come to you. <coughs> it's what we were sent to learn from. I learned from many people like that. But then, then there is Sheikh Al-Tarbiyah, the Sheikh Al-Murabbi. This is the person whom they have been given that duty to nurture students. When I look at the world today, especially in the West, yeah, there are people who don't even have the qualifications to lead themselves, and they're leading. How? Is it just by bringing people, counting how many murids you have? And it doesn't matter. It doesn't work like that. It's not their fault, but the fault of those people who are coming and following them. The Sufis also have different ranking for the Mashaykh. Because the Sufis consider the person, if he really strives to reach Allah and reach that position, he becomes a wali. And a wali is somebody who stood by the teaching of Allah and took it solely and acted upon it. So Allah is there for them in every aspect of their life. The wali is the one who stood by Allah and Allah is always standing by them. These awliya are of three. A wali who knows I am a wali and everybody knows they are wali. Is that to see? Number two, a wali who knows he's the wali but nobody knows he's the wali. Secret agent. And this is the most dangerous one. Because you meet them, you abuse them, you say things to them. Because Allah said in the Hadith Qudsi, listen carefully. Man Whosoever take animosity against my awliya, I will declare war against them. I am always fearful of somebody who is close to Allah, and then I am behaving badly to We are very naive when we see somebody dressed like a sheikh, act like a sheikh, we behave beautifully in front of them. But the person who might not be at all like that could be the sheikh, the real sheikh. Why I'm saying this? Qala Rasulullah sallam, the messenger, the truthful sallallahu says, Perhaps somebody who's untidy, not really looking well-dressed, well-groomed. But if he asked Allah, Allah fulfills what he wants. Immediately. That's the wali. Allah will fulfill for them. And we are not realizing that. And the Prophet told the companion, after I pass from this world, you will meet a man who will be dressed in wool. Very simple. He will be neglected by his people, doing the menial job that they will give to nobody who have a place or a position. But if you meet him, ask him to ask Allah to forgive you. And who was that? Uwais al-Qarani. And Umar ibn al-Khattab. Ali ibn Abi Talib, okay? And uh, 
Abu Bakr Siddiq and Uthman Na'afan, they were all wanting the forgiveness. Where the Prophet himself, Allah said about him, if they ask you to ask me to forgive them and you ask me, I will forgive them. Believe it? Allah said so. In the Quran, if they come to you, O Muhammad, and ask you to ask me to forgive them, and you ask me, I will forgive them. Why the Prophet is asking them to go to Wais? To show them, after I die, don't judge people by their appearances, by their knowledge. No. You, by their behavior. Just like when we choose a partner in marriage, we pick them not for their handsomeness or beauty, for their richness or their status, but we choose them for their conduct and behavior, for their deen, for their khuluq. The same way you choose. So this awliya, as I said, the one who knows himself and everybody knows, the one who knows himself, nobody knows. And the third one, he doesn't know he the wali. Nobody knows he the wali, but the awliya knows he the wali. He is normal with the brothers doing everything, but in the sight of God, Allah loves him. Because a wali is somebody whom Allah loves, and this is what we are striving for. This one Allah loves very much, and the awliya knows, but he doesn't know yet. There is a reason for all these things. But then there is what we call al-hadra, the gathering of the awliya. When you read the literature of the Sufis, it's like the government of the spiritual world, led by the Prophet his four khulafa, but from the living awliya, there is what we call al-qawth, the highest. Okay? Like the president. Next to him there are two. We call al-qutb al-yameen and al-qutb al-shamal. These three must always be living in Mecca. So if you are looking for the greatest three human beings living in this earth, they live in Mecca. Always. Then there are four. Al-awtad. They are in the four corners of the earth. One in the north, one in the south, one east, one west. There might be somebody in the north, maybe even in Britain. Maybe in France or Germany, anywhere. And somebody in the south, somebody east and west. And it could be anybody. Don't you ever think this person because of their knowledge of the... No, no, no. It could be anybody. Then underneath them there are seven. Called Al-Afrad. And they are always in the valley of the Nile. And this, this positioning is for a reason. Only Allah knows. They live always in the valley of the Nile. Between where the two Nile meet in Sudan up to the Mediterranean. And then there is the fourth, the Abdal. And they always live in Sham. Palestine, Lebanon, Jordan, and Syria. This area. Forty of them. There is a hadith about those forty. That whenever one of them dies, Allah replaces him by somebody else. And it is reported. Rabi al-Adawi, rahmatullahi alayha, a rich woman worshipping Allah, living in her home with big walls. She used to go once a day out to buy her shopping and come back. And a thief once followed her. And when she went in, just before Maghrib, the moment she put her shopping, she took her uh, jug of water to make her wudu outside in the courtyard. And she could see somebody jumped onto her wall. And she was still making her wudu. Then he jumped down. The moment he jumped on the floor, she heard a call that so and so from the Abdal died in Syria. So she turned and looked at that man and said, Oh Allah, replace him by that man. And he became that Badr. Sheikh al-Harami they call him. <laughs> he have a grave in Syria. Sheikh al-Harami. Yeah? Still his title. 
the thief sheikh. But he became magic just by looking at him. Oh Allah, look at this woman. This is a woman, Rabi al Adawiyah, who died a long time ago from the Tabi'in. Okay? <coughs> and then you have the 70 called Malamatiyah, and these are the ones who carry responsibilities of what is taking place of calamities. You find them all in these places. And then underneath them, there is 124. And then underneath them, there is 313. These together make that like a senate or a parliament or a gathering to realize the spiritual living. Nothing is done by chance. Everything is governed. If the dunya is governed by governments, what about the spiritual status of people? It's all run according to the Sufis in that way. Then we have in the Sufi Tariqa, Al-Wirt, the daily recitation, Al-Hizb, which is certain recitals inspired by Allah to certain scholars, like Imam Muhammad Shadali, Abu Hassan Shadali, they have got Hizb al-Bahar. Hizb al-Bahar is a collection of verses and du'as and asma of Allah given to him like that. Imam al-Nawi, rahmatullahi have got Hizb al-Nawi, with Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, beautiful. These are called Ahzab. Usually about a page, half a page. Every sheikh from Masufi Tariqa, Allah gives them this scar. And then the last thing here I will say is Al-Dhikrayat. Okay, Al-Dhikrayat, which makes the people who fight Sufis very angry. Like for example, when the Sufis celebrate Mawlid al-Nabi when they celebrate Al-Isra wal-Mi'raj, when they celebrate the night of Mid-Sha'ban, when they celebrate the Hawl of a Sheikh, it's not really Eid. They say, oh, we have only two Eids. It's not Eid. And anybody who calls them Eid is, don't understand Eid or two. But these are dhikraya. These are memories of good people or good times. So, for example, when we remember Miladun Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, we are remembering the coming of mercy to the world of the greatest human being ever to be born. So that because we are supposed to know him, love him, and follow his example. When we do a hawl for a sheikh, remember our sheikh every year, the teacher who taught us, it's just remembering the beauty that he brought to us to live a beautiful life here so that we cannot stray from his path and take from his example. When we remember time, Laylat al-Bara'a, we remember the Prophet in that night says Allah forgives a lot of people in that night. We want to be forgiven. Laylatul Mi'raj. We remember the journey by night of Rasulullah. And these are the ideas for this night. Now, to conclude, what is the essence of all what I have been saying in the last four weeks and today? إذا التصوف اسم أطلق أولا على الزاهدين If تصوف This is my own words I'm putting it together for my own self If تصوف is a name given to the earliest people who devoted their life for Allah and neglected the pleasures of this world من الصحابة from the companions وهم الفقراء 
المتعففين المستغنيين عن الدنيا والمقبلين على الآخرة they were the poorest the most clean the most clean spiritually and physically neglecting their needs of this living lower world but always yearning and wanting Allah and the hereafter those whom Allah has described them as muhsins and the prophet the trustworthy called them the people of Sufa why? لإدبارهم عن الدنيا وإقبالهم على المسجد ليكونوا من الصف الأول for their neglect to the dunya and their yearning for the hereafter and their rushing to the masjid not for any reason not just to be in the front line they're poor they're hungry they have nothing but yet they rush to be the first in the masjid and to stand in the front line the prophet then build them the dakka which we call it الصفه الله ديسكرايب ذم ان ذا قران ان سيد السابقون السابقون اولئك المقربون those who came earliest with this kind of description they will be the closest to us الله سيد قليلا من الليل ما يهجعون وبالاسحار هم يستغفرون those who used to sleep little of the night and when they have a chance before the break of dawn they seek forgiveness for their sins i ask myself what sins they have committed. What sins? They have no money. They are hungry. They are always in the masjid. They are doing their best to remember Allah day and night. And they wait until early morning, crying for Allah, waiting their beard, asking Allah for forgiveness. Allah said, these are my servant. Allah described them as his own servant. Ibadur Rahman. The servants of the beneficent. Who are they? Alladhina yamshun al ardi hawnan. Those who walk on this earth with humility, humbleness. When the ignorant address them, they do not turn to show their strength or power, not to accept to be insulted, but they pass with dignity. <coughs> However, they spend their night prostrating and bowing before Allah in prayer. الَّذِينَ يُوفُونَ بِالنَّذْرِ Those who fulfill their promise to Allah. وَيَخَافُونَ يَوْمًا كَانَ شَرُّهُ مُسْتَطِيرًا And they fear a day it is evil will be very very difficult to live with. وَيُضْعِمُونَ الطَّعَامَ عَلَى حُبِّهِ مِسْكِينًا وَيَتِيمًا وَأَسِيرًا However they feed from the little they have and share with those who are poor, with those who are orphans, with those who are captured, with those who have nothing. أولئك هم أولو الألباب الذين آمنوا على ربهم يتوكلون أولئك هم المؤمنون حقا وهم المفلحون Indeed those are the men and women of understanding Those who believed and upon their Lord they depend They are the true believers and they will be the most successful in the day of judgment Those people are in the first generation with the Prophet Then followed them, the men and women who became tabi'een and tabi'at tabi'een, such as Al-Hasan al-Bisri, Ibrahim ibn Atham, Sufyan al-Thawri, Malik ibn Dinar, Rabi' al-Adawiyya, Ja'far al-Sadiq, Ma'roof al-Karakhi, Al-Suraya al-Sagati, Wal-Imam al-Junayn. 
So the first generation with the Prophet, they were Sufis. But Sufism was taken direct from the Prophet in Zuhd. In yearning to Allah and working for the hereafter and shunning the dunya. And it is love taking from it only what we need. Praying a lot, fasting a lot, giving a lot and sharing a lot. Selfless, never selfish. Humble and never self-centered. These are the companions. The tabi'een and tabi'at tabi'een until Imam al-Junaid. They all follow the same example. But Imam al-Junaid began here in the third generation to write all this knowledge to make like a system, a curriculum from it so that Ihsan is never neglected. And then came the two greatest men after that. Al-Imam al-Ghushayri well, Imam al-Ghazali. They really, really did us the best favor. They wrote the best of writing about this knowledge of the Sauf and put it properly. And they were all taking from their scholars and their chain. But the first to start a school that became a Sufi school to be followed and continue the Jama'ah, although there were many schools, but they were not having the Sufi school as it is today, in Abdul Qadir Jailan. All the tariqas followed from him. Most of his students starting their own tariqas. And Imam al-Junaid is the founder of the school. But Imam Abdul Ghadr al-Jailani establishing it. Learning from Ghushayri and Ghazali. Ghushayri was fighting those people who were objecting to the establishment of the school. Neglecting that it is important. And I'd said earlier on, only the khawarij who find the Sufi, they don't really work for it. Imam al-Ghazali has put it in in a beautiful way to teach us everything that will benefit the Murid. Abdul Qadir al-Jailani, in his time, came Ahmad al-Rifai. And from those two, you have too many different tariqas. Therefore, the people of Tasawwuf, Aqeedah is their foundation. No Sufi has no proper Aqeedah. The most important fundamental foundation for the house of the Sufi is Asid Aqeedah. He's dependent upon Allah. If you are a Sufi, you believe in Allah, you trust in Allah, you depend upon Allah, you tend to Allah, you ask from nobody but Allah, and you fear none but Allah. A Sufi has no fear in his heart because his trust is in Allah. Number two, a Sharia, Awamuhum. Sharia is their way they live their life. They do nothing without Sharia. Everything is following the path of the Prophet Sallallahu However, their building is through the reality of understanding that nothing will benefit you but being of the best character. Being like the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. The last thing I will say is the tariqas that you might find. There are too many tariqas. Although Abdul Ghadir al-Jailani Ahmed al-Rifai started it, but from them came too many tariqas. I'll mention some of them. And today you find too many. I, I noticed there are new tariqas. Everybody who has been given mashikha, he starts his own tariqa. <laughs> I don't know how they come to this conclusion. Abdul Ghadir Jailani, and by the way, he lived in the 5th century and died in the 6th. He lived for a long time, 91 or 81 years. Okay, Nine, no, 91 years, from 470 to 561. 
عبد القادر الجيلان and then أحمد الرفاعي who died in 587 and then الإمام السهري وردي okay who died in 632 and then الإمام أحمد البدوي who died in 675 and later on came أبو الحسن الشاذلي والإمام محمد محمد بهاودين النخشبندي ذا نخشبندية الإمام محمد البك الخلوتي أوكي الخلوتية ليتر مصطفى البكري أندين البرهانية والدسوقية إبراهيم الدسوقي والسمانية which I follow myself محمد عبد الكريم السمان والمرقانية محمد أسمان المرقاني of مكة والتجانية أحمد تجاني ما شاء الله who did a beautiful thing all West Africa is following him الإدريسية أحمد بن إدريس ما شاء الله he is one of the greatest scholars that we love and follow his example والمريدية by Ahmed Bamba, this is late, يعني about 200 or 150 years ago, والجعفرية, which I follow myself as well, صالح الجعفري of Egypt, which is a part of the Idrisiyya, and this is something that we need to think about. So, when you want to follow a Sufi tariqa, number one, you must have that zeal within yourself, yes, I want to now fulfill my deen by achieving the highest, being among the muhsin. Number two, I want to find the best person who can lead me to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Strive, look for, travel. Al-ilmu, yu'ta wa la ya'ti. Knowledge, you go to, it doesn't come to you. Today, we ring our tutors and we pay them ourselves. But in the past, we strive and get to them. But even in Tasawuf, this is the case now. Now, Sheikh, look for the murids. Rather than the murid looking for the Sheikh. And after you find the Sheikh, study the lineage. The Sheikh to see that it's an authentic lineage of a Sheikh. After you found that lineage, inquire from where this person took his bayah to find that this is the school because the school of the Sufis is the school of Quran. No Quran, no school of Sufis. No, never. It has to be a Quranic school. Then after that, you look at what they do in the tariqa, their discipline, their curriculum, the syllabus that they have chosen for themselves. Maybe you are not being able to do it. And after that, you look within yourself into the situation that you are in. And if you are able to, then you join. And by joining, you fulfill that desire you have within yourself to defeat your nafs and to defeat shaitan and all that which will lead you against Allah's teaching or make you go against La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah so that you can go straight to reach him subhanahu wa ta'ala. Last thing I will say as well. In the tariqa, when people join it, you have to realize it doesn't make sense to say that I'm doing everything but I'm getting nothing. And this is very, very sad because at the end of the day, it means you are doing for getting something, neglecting what I said at the beginning. I am only doing to be connected to Allah. That's it. I'm not worried about anything else. If Allah give me, Alhamdulillah. If Allah doesn't give me, Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen. But if suddenly you are doing your dhikr, and your life is becoming difficult, and you, uh, your work is becoming miserable, and you are having fight with your partner at home, and your children are not doing this and that, and you Saying, I'm doing everything as if you are doing this to get this. No, no, no. Nothing to do with that. Remembering that the greatest of men, 
the messengers Allah tested them so hard listen to Sayyidina Yusuf alayhi salam he was given a difficult life with his brothers 11 of them he was thrown in a well for dead he was found and sold as a slave the queen of the palace wanted to put him in a position he said no I fear Allah she accused him of doing the most evil lust, being a rapist put into prison with criminals who were just to be killed but what did he do? He always accepted the position of Allah. Alhamdulillah ala kulli hal. Alhamdulillah ala kulli hal. Pray be to Allah for every condition for understanding. Look at Sayyidina Ayyub alayhi salam. Look at Sayyidina Yunus alayhi salam. But look at Sayyidina Muhammad sallallahu alayhi The suffering he received. So a murid doesn't judge the dunya with the akhirah. Doesn't weigh what he did and expect to go. No, 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 no. Nothing to do with that. Nothing. Please. Take this very seriously from me. We live at a dangerous time. We live at an evil time. Everything is mixed upside down. Halal is haram and haram is halal. Even in the deen, there are those people who are selling the deen to the highest bidder. Be very careful, my advice to you. The Prophet says, I have left for you two things. If you hold tight into them, you will never go astray. What are they? Kitabullah, the book of Allah, Al-Quran, was sunnati and my way of living. So your Lord is Allah and your Shaykh is Rasulullah. If, if you don't have a Shaykh, then your Shaykh is Rasulullah. But I will advise you, these are things every one of you could read until you find yourself a master who can lead you. Astaghfirullah al-Azim a hundred times. Not from me, from the Prophet. He said to the companion, read it. He says, Ya ayyuhannas, this is for all people. Tubu ila rabbikum. Do tend to Allah in repentance, your Lord. Fa inni atubu ilayhi fil yawm mi'at marra. I tend to him and repent every day a hundred times. Astaghfirullah al-Azim. You don't need a sheikh to give you this. Astaghfirullah al-Azim, a hundred times. Or you can say, Astaghfirullah al-Azim al-Ladhi la ilaha illa huwa al-Hayya al-Qayyum wa atubu ilayhi. Even better, a hundred times is good. And then, اللهم صل على محمد وآله the shortest a hundred times why? because he said whosoever makes salawat for me once Allah will make it for him ten whoever make it ten for me Allah will make it for him a hundred whoever make it a hundred for me Allah will make it for him a thousand whoever make it a thousand for me I will surely give him shafa'a I will intercede on his behalf in the day of judgment the more you do the better for you alright a hundred times I'm doing uh, a section of the lesson with CEI, okay, Crowley Education Institute in Houston. And this year I chose to do from a Shifa for them Salawat. It's a huge thing, really a huge thing. And last, the last session we did, I was showing them some Salawat, what they should read. Because everybody thinks that when you look at the modern generation, they say, oh, the only Salawat that you should read is Salat Ibrahimiyah. Because the Prophet was telling the companion when they asked him, what should we read? He said, Allahumma salli ala Muhammad wa ala Muhammad wa sallam. But there are many other Salawat he gave to the companions. And they were doing it. And then, number three, لا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم. The Prophet ﷺ said, whoever read this a hundred times in his day, ninety-nine doors of test will be locked. Only one. They asked him, why Rasulullah said that the door of death? When death comes, لا محل. You have to, you have to go. There is no chance for me and you to negotiate with Israel for a longer time. Musa did, and others did, but we can't. Okay, imagine Sayyidina Muhammad was dying and Jibreel came to him and said to him, Israel is waiting outside, he is ashamed to ask to come in. 
can he come? Can he be given? Yeah? He doesn't want to call to say, I'm going to take you. And he said, come. And the last one, Hasbunallah wa ni'mal wakil, the Prophet said, Sayful Mu'mineen. Hasbunallah wa ni'mal wakil, a hundred times. Hasbunallah wa ni'mal wakil. These are from the Prophet and from the Quran. You read this, Allah will look after you, Allah will save you, Allah will guard you, Allah will give you everything you want until you find the Sheikh. I'm going to finish by telling you the story of how I went into the Tariqa. I'm telling this I just as an example. Because I don't want people to take these things lightly and to listen to all these people who are making the tariqah to be an innovative thing, an important thing, something that is terrible, something that is bringing people into dividing Islam. And by the way, those brothers have no understanding when they explain to you and say the tariqah people, the madhahib people are dividing the Muslims. These people have no knowledge. Because if you look at the knowledge of Islam, all of it are written by these people. Even them, they are following our books. Even then, the library of Islam is written by the Sufis. I challenge anybody otherwise. Every book that is written of an importance of hadith, of fiqh, of seerah, of anything in Islam is written by our Mashaikh from the first generation. And they are the best in writing because they have that zeal of doing the better job. Now, as I said, you must pray your fives. You must respect your parents. If they are alive, do as much to them. Be good to them. Your elders, care for your young, your neighbors. Be kind, be generous, be merciful. Be honest, be truthful. Be a good person. This is your duty as a Muslim to do. You cannot be a Muslim other than that. Strive to increase your Iman by knowing who Allah is. The Malaika are. The books, the messengers, the day of judgment, destiny, and life after death. And know all the other branches of faith. Read about them. Study. If there is any circle of knowledge, the Prophet commanded me and you to learn. Seek knowledge even if you have to go to China. It's difficult. But even if you have to go there, learn. Seeking knowledge is compulsory, he said. And the best of you are those who learn and teach. Therefore, learning is very, very important. There is no way to stop learning. As I said at the beginning, the Prophet said, people are either learners or teachers, and there is no benefit in the rest. So here, the way will be easier for you. Then you do things like that. And every day read from Quran. If you cannot read Quran in Arabic, your duty is to go and find a teacher to learn to read Arabic. How can you want to know Allah and you cannot read his words? If you love somebody and they told you, he wrote a letter for you. Would you read it? If you can't read, wouldn't you ask somebody to read it for you? Come on. This is just a human. What about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? His words. Learn how to read the Quran. Memorize some of the verses. And make sure you pray your prayer in time. And if you come before sunrise and before sunset, take a chance to remember Allah. For Allah says, remember me before sunrise and remember me before sunset. The Prophet says, indeed, after the break of dawn to sunrise, there is an hour, the risk will be divided, the extras, the bonuses are given at that time, and we are snoring. You want your life to be easy? Don't sleep. Wallahi al-Azim, if you spend your time after the break of dawn, okay, or even half an hour before sunrise, and remember Allah then, you will receive a lot of good, spiritually and physically. And he says, if you remember Allah before sunrise, saying, subhanAllah, we a hundred times, Allah will forgive all your sins.
even if you think that as much as the form of the oceans or the water of the earth and the same thing before sunset so when I was doing all those things I realized two things can link me to Prophet doing all those things I mentioned reading my Quran and doing istighfar and salawat that's what I used to do the salawat I realized I want something a little bit substantial I can read this but I want it so I gained reading the Laylul Khairat a collection of salawat and every day I read and every day I ask oh Allah please guide me to someone whom you love that can guide me I go to college I go to school I go everywhere and people come to me Sheikh come on there is a Sheikh we go and see I know a lot of you passing through these days come on there is a Sheikh we go and see and you pass from Sheikh to Sheikh you are shopping and a lot of the modern culture is they find the sheikh, they take a bay'ah, no, he's not good enough. We'll find another one. Take another bay'ah, no, not good enough. Let's find another one. Not like that. So, one evening, I prayed my prayer and I did my dua and I asked, like normally I do, Oh Allah, guide me to the one whom you look that can guide me to you. And I slept and I woke up so happy because I saw an old man sitting under a tree. And there are a lot of people around him, and he was making wudu. And suddenly, when I entered from the gate of the area in the place where he is, the masjid, he raised his head, looked at me, and smiled. Said, "Son, it is your time to come to me now." Allah is my witness. I woke up, did all my thing that I do normally. I came. I saw my father's sister after him. I looked at her, I said to her, Salamu alaikum, kiss her hand, I said, I'm going. She's an old woman, very pious woman. Where are you going? I said to her, I'm going to Sheikh Al-Fatih She said, well done, son, your time has come. My question then, how did she know? Was she in my dream? Did she, there is a picture there for her to see? But I know those people, so I didn't say anything. So my brothers and cousins said, stay, have breakfast and then leave. I said, no, I have to go. My aunt said, no, no, let him go. I went. I arrived in the place. I entered into this beautiful salon <coughs> whereby the sheikh was sitting there beautifully, the same man. And a lot of people around him. But they look very important people. I was young and they were quite elderly. So I said salam to him quickly, kiss his hand, and he came and sat in the veranda outside. Five minutes, maybe ten minutes maximum, I could hear him saying to them, Brothers and sisters, may Allah bless you. You came all the way to see me. Many of you have got dunya needs and mountain dua. Many of you have got jobs to go to. But the man, the young man who came and sat outside there, by Allah, he just came for Allah. And he left them and came and sat with me. I was shocked. When he sat with me, he called Umar. And this young man came rushing. He's still there. He's a teacher in University of Sudan now. He was young. He was the khadim, or the servant who held the sheikh. Bring tea. I used to hate black tea. And in Sudan they drink black tea and very strong, don't like it. When he said bring tea, I was almost crying. <laughs> and the man brought this little pot, metal pot. And he said, pour. And they have got these little glasses, if you saw them, see-through glasses. So he poured for me. The sheikh said, no, drink, drink. And he was talking to me. I drank quickly that cup. He said, fill. He filled for me. I said, my God. And every time the man wants to leave, he said, no, stay. 
I promise you by Allah, I don't know how many cups I drank. 30, 40. My question then is not the Sheikh and the Ru'ya, the dream I saw. It's this little pot. <laughs> how many cups in it? <laughs> then the Sheikh was saying to me, don't worry about it. There is more to inside. Don't worry. I'm not telling it to him openly, but he was answering me that way. Don't worry about it. You know what this did to me? It confirmed my faith that it is still good people in this world. No Sheikh is a Sheikh to cheat you and lie to you and I can do this to you. Just bring me a thousand pounds. Go and buy my ticket. Massage my legs. What is this? It's nonsense. I realize this is the man of Allah. And he, all this time, he never raised his hand. He's just looking down. He never even went like that. The only time I saw his face properly, the day he looked at me in the dream. He's like this, sitting like that. Because this is the first commandment. Tell the believing men to lower their gaze. And subhanAllah, then he started talking to me. Asking me a lot of questions. That's why I said the Sheikh should know your condition. He asked me everything to do with me. Like a doctor. When you tell him my leg is hurting, he will ask you and say this to you. He asked me about my childhood, my life, my friends, my schooling, my neighborhood, everything. Then the breakfast time came. I was saying to him, look, I need to go now. Because I felt he's a busy man, a lot of people come to him. He said, no, 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 you have breakfast with me. They brought the breakfast, he was not even eating, he would take and give me to eat. Everybody was looking, who is this young man? We finished, they brought more tea. <laughs> By that time, I'm, I'm used to it now. And then, subhanAllah, we stayed until almost Zuhur. I said, no, Sheikh, I need to go. He said, Zuhur with me, he took me to Zuhur. We finished Zuhur, we came out of the Majid, said to him, we'll go on. No, 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 stay with me. Like this, until we prayed Maghrib together. After Maghrib, I said to him, look, Sheikh, I need to go. He said, no, no, you wait. There was commotion in the Masjid, people going. The only thing I used to love about the Sufis before I joined them is Dhikr. The Hadra. I loved it when I used to hear it. People listen to music, I listen to Zikr all the time. La ilaha illallah. So the Sheikh was asking people to do something. I didn't know what they were doing. And they were going in and out, in and out. Then one man came and said to me, excuse me, where are you from? I said, I'm from Umdurman, from Banat. Who are you? I said, Abikir. <laughs> I said, this is very strange. The Sheikh have a car being put in the garage, never driven it for the last six months. He said to be gotten out and cleaned because he wants to go to the other masjid, they have another masjid. And this masjid is there, tonight we have a hadra. Wow! I thought, so good. Then the sheikh came, sat me next to him. We were talking, it was, everybody was looking at me. And we went to the masjid, wallahi, it was the nicest day in my life. The moment we entered and we could hear the zikr, la ilaha illallah, I just felt, subhanallah. It is only Allah who can do that to you, nobody else. Because this is what I used to love. And we entered inside and I sat outside. Then the Sheikh pointed to me to come and sit in the line. I sat in the line and being new, not knowing anything like a new convert Muslim, in Salah he's looking around. I was looking around, watching people. Everybody could notice I don't know anything. But in my own little way, I was judging people. Some of them were screaming, some of them making noise. I think, what is Why are they doing this? And there was a man, every time they say something, he's going, ah! Suddenly the Sheikh moved the man next to me and pointed with his stick to the other man to come and sit here. Oh my God. <laughs> and the moment he started, he started making more noise. And then I st I'm still questioning. Then the Sheikh looked at somebody else who was making more noise, lifted him up like that with a stick. The man got up, 
pushed him out. This all just by pointing. The man went back, lifted my one, he lifted up, he came and sat in next to me. Then the zikr started. There came a moment and I was concentrating that time. I just said, Alhamdulillah, praise be to Allah for every condition. <laughs> so I'm going to do. And suddenly something came. And Wallah, those two men screamed and I screamed with them. And that's it. I realized there and then all these things, tearing, screaming, your hair is standing, your skin shivering, it is a feeling of the heart. You cannot control it. Either you do it genuinely, or you are doing it without any genuineness from yourself and it could be seen in you. The genuine person will benefit from it and the one who is not, is not going to gain anything. But it is a very good condition to be in. So may Allah give us tawfiq, all of us, to be understanding that the tariq is a beautiful tariq. And I'm going to read this for you. This is my most beautiful, fairest poem I ever wrote about these people because I love them. Okay? I love those people so much. And I do a lot of the things about them. Okay? Because the Rasulullah يا سلام عمر فؤادي بمدح المصطفى فبمدحه طرب به إسعادي يا مادحا قم واسقنا من حضرة بها إرشادي لا تخشى لومة لائم وارفع لصودك في الإنشاد أسمعنا من أوصافه مدحا فبمدحه يا سيدي مدد من الجواد حرك حرك قلوب العاشقين بمدحة يكون بها شفى الأجساد هيج لكل الحاضرين بنفحة من أحمد سيد الأسياد عدد محاسنه الكثيرة إنها تجلي القلوب تشوق الأكباد قل قال المصطفى فبقوله ذكر للرب العالمين الهادي شنف مسامعنا بوصف جماله كي ننجو من حسادي أنشن من وهم الحياة وذلها وكذاك أهل عنادي وذكر محمد فيه المحبة للنبي يذيل القل والأضاد لو له ما كان الجمال فجمال أحمد نوره وقاد كن صادقا في حبه فمحبه حقا من الأولاد أولاد النبي محمد ساداتنا سلكوا الطريق الحب والأجداد نادي رسول الله بلهفة تجد المنى وكل مرادي الحب فيه مكانة مرموقة الرمتها فابتقي الأوراد لا يلقها إلا الذي شقل الفؤاد بذكره تردادي فالوصله مع حبه إن الوصول يتم والإمداد واذكر رجالا صادقين أحبة مدح الرسول في الأعياد أمثال أحمد البدوي يقدس سره والشاذلي والبرع والممشادي ومحمد السمان شيخ طريقنا وكذلك الصاوي والبكر والحدادي والبرزنجي صاحب مولد والمرغني وكذا الجزولي والبصير والسجادي والجيل الذي ثقى بمديحه أهل الذكر في بقدادي لا تنسى العيدروس وآله من أسكر بمديحه في الوادي وكذا رجال أهل محبة قد أصبحوا بوصاله من الأفراد ففضل محبتي يرجع لهم هم سادتي وعدتي وعمادي فبحبهم لنبيك اجمعني بهم وكذاك بأحمد سيد الزهادي فمحمد بحر العلوم الزاخرة 
صلى عليه الخلق بالأعداد إن الصلاة عليه منحة من حازها كان كالأطواض الرمتها فقنا لها وقتا تنجيك من إبعادي لا وصف يعدل وصفه بطل الرجال محمد الأمجاد حاد السلامة والكرامة والهدى كانت به إذالة الإفساد فالشرك حاربه النبي محمد وكذاك أهل الكفر والإلحاد أخلص محبته التي أوتيتها فالمؤمنون أحبة وأهل وداد وصلاة أحمد تنجي لنا يوم الحشر والميعاد لا يكمل الإيمان إلا بحبه قد جاء في الإسناد وله المعجزات الواردات عجيبة فبذكرها يقوى اليقين بالجواد فالجزع حرقه الفراق لحبه وذاك عود من الأعواد صلى عليه مولانا الذي خلق الحساب من أعدادي والحمد لله الذي أرسله مدى الدهور وأبد الآباد وارفع بها يا ربنا لعبيدكم أبو أحمد ليفوز بالإسعاد جزاكم الله ألف خير I'm sorry I can't translate because time is getting very short if anybody but it is a قصيدة to mention those men whom I loved whom Allah has guided me through them to understand and appreciate that everything that we do in this world, we need to make it look beautiful. Our deen to be beautiful, you must be a muhsin in it. And ihsan is a must for somebody who trusts and believes in Allah. And the only people who are teaching this is the Sufis. I thank Allah, Allah has linked me to them. Anybody have a question before I make a dua? If you have a question, you can ask me. I'm so grateful that people always are satisfied. Any question? No question. A'udhu billahi min ash-shaytan ar-rajim. بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين اللهم صلي وسلم على سيدنا محمد صلاة عبد قلت حيلته ورسول الله وسيلته وأنت لها يا إلهي ولكل كرب عظيم فرج عنا ما نحن فيه بسر بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم يا أرحم الراحمين يا أرحم الراحمين يا أرحم الراحمين يا خير الرازقين يا رب العالمين يا رب العرش العظيم لا إله إلا أنت سبحانك إنا كنا ظالمين اغفر لنا وارحمنا وامدنا مددك يا كريم. I ask Allah سبحانه وتعالى that what we studied in the last five weeks he will accept. And if shortcoming may he forgives. Anything that we have done he accepted may Allah raise us to him with pure heart through it يا كريم. May Allah allow us to be steadfast in the tariqah following the teaching of our beloved Sayyidina Muhammad Sallam fulfilling the teaching of the Quran and being among those whom he loves. I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for those who are in the tariqah to be steadfast, carrying out their promise to Allah and doing what will benefit them here and hereafter, Ya Kareem. Oh Allah, if there is any veils in the heart, remove them. Allow us to see the face of your beloved, Sayyidina Muhammad Sallam, and allow us to see your face in the day of judgment. For it is indeed the pleasure of being with you and seeing you, not just being in paradise, Ya Kareem. I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for those who are not in the past, may Allah provide for them the means to find the righteous people to guide them with truthfulness and honesty that they will achieve success here and hereafter. Oh Allah, those who are unable to find means to appreciate what we teach, may Allah make it easy for them. Remove any obstacles from their path. I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for all those who are doing their best to help people and support them, may Allah support them. My brothers and sisters who are seeking knowledge, may Allah open all the doors of knowledge for them. And all those who are studying, may Allah make them successful in that. And all those who are working, may Allah make them sincere in their work. And all those who are employing people, may Allah increase them in sustenance. And allow them to provide for those who are unable to provide for themselves. 
I ask Allah for the unemployed to be employed. I ask Allah for the sick to be healed. I ask Allah for those who are working in hospitals, hospices, and any place where people are suffering physically, emotionally, psychologically. May Allah support them and help them and guard them and give them tawfiq and success for dunya wal akhirah. I ask Allah for all the mashayikh, the true genuine people who are leading the ummah, that Allah will make them manifest themselves to be seen, to be found, so that they can be followed, to be followed to Rasulullah and to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for the sick to be healed, Ya Rabbi Alameen. Anybody amongst us here who have got any sickness, may Allah heal them. May Allah give us shifa and afia. My mother-in-law who is sick, may Allah give her total shifa and afia. And if he is to return to him, may Allah return her with la ilaha illallah, Muhammad Rasulullah. Our parents who passed away, may Allah forgive them and raise them into a high place in Jannah. And may Allah accept them and allow them to forgive us, Ya Kareem. And all those who are alive, may Allah make us steadfast in their respect and honor and service ya kareem and give them long lives to be obedient and may allah allow them to forgive us rahimin, our siblings our relatives our next of kin may allah allow us to serve them ya kareem all those who are looking up to us may allah allow us to be the best for them and all those whom we are looking up to may allah make it easy for us to access them ya kareem i ask allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for those who are running this project for me may allah always serve them amina and umar and isa and galaiza and all those who are supporting them, Ya Kareem, Nazra and the rest of the sisters and the brothers, Rakeen and all of them, may Allah help them, support them, guard them, give them tawfiq for dunya wal akhir. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow those who are coming here to teach, to support, to show way, Allah will show them a way to himself, Ya Kareem. Oh Allah, we are doing this to guard ourselves from the evil of the time and the evil of ourselves and the evil of Iblis, Ya Kareem. Oh Allah, none can guard us but you, guard us from every evil and open a door for us to be with you. Secure in the knowledge that you will be with us at all time, as long as we remember you. Allow us to remember you, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, we say these words, and we know you are the only one who can hear them and answer us. We seek from you that answer, Ya Kareem. Rabbana taqabbal minna, innaka anta sami'ul alim, wa tuba alayna, ya maulana, innaka anta tawabur rahim. وَتَوَلَّنَا وَآتِنَا فِي الدُّنْيَا حَسَنَةً وَفِي الْآخِرَةِ حَسَنَةً وَقِنَا عَذَابَ النَّارِ إلى شرف النبي محمد صلى الله عليه وآله وصحبه وسلم وإلى جميع الأنبياء والمرسلين والملائكة والمقربين وإلى عباد الله الصالحين من أهل السماوات وأهل الأرضين خاصة روح القطب الغوث والأغطاب والأفراد والأبدال والنجب والنقب والملاماتية رجال الغيب أجمع رب أسمع صاحب الزمان المهدي المنتظر عليه السلام والخضر عليه السلام ويس الغرني عليه السلام سيدنا بكر الصديق عمر الفاروق عثمان بن عفان علي بن أبي طالب والعشر مبشرين بالجنة وأزواج النبي محمد صلى الله عليه وآله وصحبه وسلم خاصة خديت الكبرى عشر حصار رب العالمين أولاده الطيب والقاسم وإبراهيم وبناته زينب وروقي ومقلثم وفاطمة الزهراء والحسن والحسين وسائر الشهداء خاصة شهداء بدر وحد الخندق والأحزاب إبراهيم نأتهم يا الله يا أرحم الراحمين سفيان الثوري ذنون المصري رابع العدوية عمر بن الفارد يا كريم الحسن البصري والجنيد والكرخي أبيض البسطامي محدين العربي والإمام الغزالي حسن الجباوي يا كريم والإمام الجنيد برحمتك يا أرحم الراحمين اغفر لهم وارحمهم جميعا وآل ذمانهم أبو حنيف النعمان جعفر الصادق يا كريم والإمام مالك والإمام الشافعي أحمد بن حنبل برحمتك يا أرحم الراحمين علي زين العابدين وسيدة زينب وسيدة نفيسة وسيدة عائشة وسيدة عاتكة وسيدة رقية وسيدة فاطمة النبوية برحمتك يا أرحم الراحمين ارفع مقاماتهم وعلي درجواتهم برحمتك يا أرحم الراحمين وآل البيت أجمع يا ربي أسمع خاصة للعيدروس وآل الحداد وآل السقاف وآل باعلوي وآل الحبش يا كريم اغفر لهم وارحمهم واجعلنا معهم برحمتك يا كريم 
سيدي الدردير سيدي الصاوي سيدي الحفني سيدي مصطفى بكريس السمان الشيخ الطيب ولد البشير والقرش ولد الزين شيخ عبد المشيخ غريب الله سيدي واستاذي والدي محمد الفاتق قريب الله رضي الله تعالى عنه وارضاه سيدنا الشيخ حسن يا ارحم الراحمين والشيخ حسن والحسونه والشيخ ادريس ولد الباب والشيخ ذو الشرف والشيخ ادرك الطيب والشيخ المكاشفي والشيخ فرح والتكتو والشيخ والدوليب برحمتك يا ارحم الراحمين الشيخ الصانب الصابونابي يا كريم دفع الله الحجوسي برحمتك يا ارحم الراحمين الشيخ الصابونابي يا ارحم الراحمين الشيخ الصايم ديما يا ارحم الراحمين الشيخ محمد حسن الادريسي الشيخ زنا عبدين والشيخ الجيلاني والشيخ البرعي والشيخ الجعلي شيخ السمان برحمتك يا الله يا رحمن سائر المشايخ في كل مكان في كل زمان على البيت في مكه والمدينه يا رحم الراحمين العلوي المالكي والسيد محمد علوي المالكي عبد القادر السقاف احمد المشهور برحمتك يا رحم الراحمين والى سيدي وسندي واستاذي صالح الجعفري يا كريم اغفر له وارفع مقامه على درياته شيخ عبد الغني صالح الجعفري يا كريم شيخ احمد حماده والشيخ الخطيب والشيخ الكردي والشيخ الحافظ التجاني برحمتك يا ارحم الراحمين سيد البرعي عبد الرحيم اليمني احمد تجاني احمد بن ادريس رضي الله تعالى عنهم اجمعين سيدنا الشيخ ناظم العديل الحقاني وال الخاجقان وسائر المشايخ والاولياء والصالحين من كل الطرق يا كريم اغفر لهم وارحمهم وعلم غاماتهم وكل من حضرنا في هذا المكان من ملك وانس وجان لهم يا ربنا منا جميعا ثوى الفاتحه بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين الرحمن الرحيم مالك يوم الدين إياك نعبد وإياك نستعين اهدنا الصراط المستقيم صراط الذين أنعمت عليهم غير المغضوب عليهم ولا الضالين آمين إن شاء الله this is not the last thing I'm gonna do uh, what I'm gonna do إن شاء الله maybe sometime at the end of March to April we're going to study the most important significant personalities that have built a program to be followed in this path such as Okay, Sidi Ahmed al-Rifai, Sidi Abdul Qadir al-Jailani, and Sidi Ibrahim ibn Atham, Sidi al-Hassan al-Bisri, maybe Sufyan al-Sawri. These are personalities that have done a lot for the Sufi path or the Ihsan school, and their teaching is something that you can benefit from. Once we are ready to do it, inshallah, Umar and the brothers and sisters in Rumi's cave will advertise it. But in the meantime, please follow Rumi's cave, and if anything, that is a benefit you want to do. Here we have, mashallah, a young man whom I love very much, Samir Tijani, originally from Jordan. Mashallah, a well-learned man in the theoretical knowledge of this dunya and the Islamic knowledge too. His sheikh is one of my most beloved mashayikh in Cairo, rahmatullahi uh, Sheikh Abdul Ghani Saleh al-Ja'fari. These are real mashayikh. I'm not talking. And mashallah, he's doing a very good job by translating his work. Last night, I think he did a talk here. And get his books, read his books, because the Sheikh Rahmatullah Ali, Sheikh Salah Jafari, is someone I love so much. I never had the chance to sit with him physically. But I saw him many times in my dreams, sat with him. And Wallah, it's the most pleasure to have somebody like that who can connect to you. I feel he is my father. I feel he's somebody whom I have great link with. And the, he gave me the ijada to be a Sheikh in his tariqah. I didn't know this, but one of the nights I read some of his zikr and I read a book of Salawatul Laylatul Jum'ah and I slept and I saw him reading it in the circle and suddenly he got out of his place and called me while I'm in the masjid and sat me over his place and gave me his book. So the next time I went to Cairo, I went to the masjid, his Sheikh Sheikh Abdul Ghani called me and said, tell me the dream you saw. So what dream? He said, the dream you saw with the Sheikh. So I told him, he said, come with me. He took me, he said, the Sheikh have an ijazah for you. And they gave it to me. 
from the sheikh. He said, this is for you. Whatever the sheikh has given is for you too. And this is the book, the latest book, this guy about the salawat, yeah? Salawat. Yeah. This is, this is very, very beautiful salawat written by the sheikh. This sheikh lived during Sadat time in Egypt. This sheikh, I mean, he's amazing. He's just, he's a lion. When he used to do a dars after Jum'ah in the Al-Ashar, he used to be the Imam of Al-Ashar University. But everybody loved him, from Sadat to the, any man in Cairo, they loved him. They named the street where he is having his masjid after him, in a place called Darrasa. When you go to Cairo, Al-Ashar is open this way, and Al-Hussein next to it, the street will lead you to the hospital on the right-hand side. After the hospital, to the left, there is a place called Darrasa. There is an area there in which there is a shari' or a street called Shari' Al-Ja'fari. The street of Ja'fari. If you go to Cairo, if you don't go to him, you only wrong yourself. Go there. Go to the maqam where he's stand there. You are like in Jannah. Seriously. When I go there, it's just amazing. But before you go to him, you go to Hussein. Because Hussein is the grandson of Rasulullah. Go inside, pray in his masjid, go and read dua for him next to his grave and make dua, inshallah. Sidna al Hussein is very important. If then you are able after Hussein, you go to his son, Ali Zainul Abidin, Ibn al Hussein. He is the first man to take from his father, okay, from Ali ibn Abi Talib for the tariqa. He's in the or chair of the tariqa. Ali ibn After you visit Ali ibn Abdin, you go and visit his sister, Sayyidah Zainab. Because a lot of men think only the men who are scholars. In Cairo, most of those great are women. Sayyidah Zainab, then a Sayyidah Nafisa, then a Sayyidah Aisha, then a Sayyidah Sukaina, and then Fatima Nabawiya. And I say the Ruqayya and Wisha buried in the same area, the auntie of Rasulullah called Atika. This is his family. And Allah commanded us in every salah, we say, Assalamu alayka ayyuhan nabi, to him. But then when we read salah at the end, we say, Allah salli ala Muhammad wa ala Ali Muhammad. So Ali Muhammad is very important for us, not only for the Shia, by the way. We, the Sunnis, are responsible for making salawat for Muhammad and Ali Muhammad. If you make salah for Muhammad وسلم, without his family, it's betra, it's not complete. You make it. Allahumma salli ala Muhammadin wa alihi. And then after that, you can go and read it. My Sheikh, Sheikh Salah Haddad. This book is in sale here, five pounds. Yeah, <laughs> this book, we are selling it. And please buy a copy. Because really, we want to encourage our people here. We want our own grown-up Mashayikh in this country. We want people like him to benefit. Five pounds for the book. Buy it and read it. And if you find any false return, I'll pay the five pounds. <laughs> yeah, because I love it. I have it in Arabic at home. And believe me, You'll find a lot of beauty. And salawat, I'm giving you. Read it. It's good for you, inshallah. May Allah reward you.